Greetings and salutations. Welcome to PS I Love You XOXO. I don't know what episode number this is, but we'll figure it out later. My name is Colin Moriarty. This is Vince Ingenio filling in for Greg Miller today, who is off doing something. Vince from IGN.com. <laughs> IGN.com. You want to give a high five? Just very softly like that. No, that's it. That's no, enough. no. That's enough. Oh, no more. I wanted, I wanted no the class, but he wouldn't give it oh, to me. All right. I want the... I wanted the and then... Uh, oh, that's kind of hot. It is. My it's dick little... moved like just a little bit. <laughs> Some minor dick movement. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you guys were asking for different kinds of guests as we could rotate them in when Greg and I or I aren't here. Um, and so we have Vince here. Now, I do apologize to the fan base. As we said like a, a week or two ago... We did something like 40-something consecutive episodes with neither of us being gone. And then over the last five weeks, I think we've both been gone like multiple times. So <laughs> I was the show say, is already falling apart. I thought I was going to be the first one. I'm like, oh, man, I fucked it up for everybody. Uh, but Vince, thank you for taking the time to oh, be with us pleasure. here today. My we pleasure. have things to talk about, some big news. Uh, before we get into that, a uh, few things. First of all, Kevin's uh, looking svelte today in the corner on in his white chair. I wanted to let everyone know that. He's usually not here for the show, but because we're using... Uh, our old janky kind of soundboard. Basically, we've moved everything over to the new studio. And yeah. by the way, the new studio is fantastic. Sounds Can't wait for our, Sounds so, so, so we announced that we are going to do a 12-hour live stream on Monday, August 22nd. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time, we're oh. going to show the new look of all the shows. And you're going to um, do a 12-hour uh, No Man's Sky. Yeah, and stream, we're going right? to play No Man's yeah. Sky and, and put a gun down my throat. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> We are going to show the, the new studio, the new space. We're excited about it. Kevin and Nick have done uh, an extraordinary job over there getting everything together. I said this on NeoGAF today when I was just dropping in because someone made a thread about it, about our new space, where I was like, you know. A threat or a threat? A threat. A, well, yeah. Remove the D and the T and mix them around. It's probably the same thing. Someone was saying, uh, well, I was basically saying, we have no business being in a space that cool. That it's, it's, I think, exceeded my own expectations. I think I could speak for Greg because he doesn't speak for himself. I speak for him. And so... Um, <laughs> So we, uh, we're impressed, and, and this is basically the very last episode of P.S. I Love You that we will ever do in this space. And as far as I know, Kevin, with the exception of the Gamescast exclusive that we record in two days with Danny O'Dwyer from GameSpot, this will be the last show we will ever record from this space. I'm this shutting this place veteran. down. Yep, you're I'm, shutting it down. I'm closing the joint. You're bad, you're bad news and you're bad <laughs> luck. So, uh, so I, we're sad to say goodbye to the space, but we're excited to say hello to the new, much bigger much more, I would say, prolific space that will allow us to grow. Greg always uses the uh, the analogy uh, that the turtle can only grow as big as the aquarium that he's in, and I think it's actually a really good analogy, and we've grown as big as we can grow in this, in this very limited space, working around a kitchen table and all this stuff. So, we, so we're renting a, a very nice space above a comic book shop, um, and uh, we're excited about it. We're here in San Francisco, so we didn't have to leave, which was one of my prerequisites, or I would have just quit, and uh, <laughs> unless we went to New York, of course. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's rolling out. You could go to youtube.com slash kind of funny and check out the video. We kind of just did a little sizzle about it. It's also on the social media outlets, but basically come join us for the, the, the Twitch uh, stream, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games Monday, August 22nd, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. All the new shows, a bunch of shenanigans. We're excited to show it, uh, show that off. Just but, silliness. But, uh, in the mean, so this is, this is it. And, and a little spoiler for continuity's sake next week's PS. I love you. XOXO. We've already recorded. Uh, what do you think of that? Next That's week's PSI Love You XOXO, we've already The recorded. future has already happened. And it's if you're looking for our thoughts on PlayStation 4 games in particular in terms of like what we think are the best ones, you might like that particular episode. Now, uh, we also recorded, uh, let's see, we have a games cast. We did Game Over Greggy show. So we've actually kind of been testing out the new stuff over there. And sure. It's very cool. That's all I'll say. Is that fair enough, Kevin? Is that good enough? You're nodding in agreement. 
That works for me. Uh, PSI Love You XOXO airs every Tuesday at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, also on podcast services around the globe. It is the play- it is the internet's number one PlayStation podcast. And I was going to say it's PlayStation's number one PlayStation podcast, but that's not <laughs> true. Uh, Vince, we always start with the Roper's Report, but since uh, Greg's not here, we won't do the music or the sound or anything like that. But I will tell you that there are eight items on the list this week. Eight news items that I think we should talk about. I should, tur- I should turn my mouse on. That, that Very helpful. There we go. For moving stuff. It's kind of a satisfying noise. Here. Yeah, it's very nice. Mm, very, very nice. Very um, nice. Okay. Let's get into it. The news. Are you ready? Uh, this, oh, I'm ready. I was born ready. You have a lot of good insight. So oh, I think shit. it should be a good episode. Oh, God. What do you think, Kevin? <laughs> I hope you weren't I were, hope you weren't hanging this episode on my insight because... No. no. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm sick of putting my insight out there. Number one. <laughs> it looks like Sony is ready to reveal the next iteration of the PlayStation 4 codename Neo and often colloquially referred to as PS4.5. Both Greg and I were sent invitations, and I'm sure Vince too, to the so-called PlayStation meeting in New York City at the PlayStation Theater on September 7th. Nothing else is known about the event, including on, uh, on what will be shown, revealed, and discussed. But we do know we'll be streaming, and Greg and I will likely be foregoing being there in person so we can do pre- and post-shows for the stream. We presume we'll be on twitch.tv slash games, maybe put on VOD later on YouTube. Um... But we have we'll have finalization on that later. Are you going to the event? I'm not going to be the one going, uh, unfortunately. But we're going to have a, a capable individual uh, there on site uh, reporting from there, and I'm sure we'll be breaking uh, news from that event as it happens um, on IGN. Period. Com. But uh, yeah, no, I, I really wanted to go. It's uh, it's interesting to me. You know, I think they needed to do this. I feel like they they. I think they might have been caught a little bit off guard by how powerful Scorpio is purported to be when Microsoft talked about it at their press conference. Because um, I said this before, and like I guess to a lot of people, it might not mean anything unless you're into PC gaming or you follow these things. But like six teraflops, which is supposedly the kind of computational power that uh, the Scorpio is uh, purporting to have, is uh, that's no joke. That's a much larger leap than I think anyone had predicted. It's almost it's 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 almost not um, ridiculous to say that the Scorpio is almost like an Xbox Two. Um, it's almost as much of a jump, just in terms of raw computing power. It seems like it's almost as much of a jump from the one to the two as there was from the three hundred and sixty to the one. I don't know that Sony was ready to hear a number that big, um, but that's you know it makes some sense, right? Because Microsoft is really behind you know is really behind the eight ball on the, on in terms of you know. Penetration, market penetration, and console sales. Well, so, in terms of optics, I would always say too. I mean, Xbox One is outselling Xbox 360 um, compared to like you know this far into its release cycle, whatever. right? Um, so I always like to say that even though PS4 is is a clobbering Xbox One in, in most metrics, mm-hmm. um, it is worth noting Xbox One outsold PS4 last month in, in North America for the first time in a long time. Which I didn't put in the news report because we'll get full NPD probably next week, so I'm going to wait on that. But um, I just like to throw that out there that Xbox One isn't necessarily, you know, wallowing oh, in nothingness. No, it's definitely it's just not. by definitely comparison not. to the PS4, um, it's certainly not doing as well. But but we did get a question about this that I wanted to bring up that kind of goes into this. Um, NWO Hollywood asks, uh, it says, "Congratulations on you guys being invited to the PlayStation meeting in New York City on September 7th. Do you have any expectations going into this event? And if so, do you think those expectations will be met?" Uh, my own expectations are simple. I think that they need to just show the console and find a clever way to market this thing in a way that won't make a, a old PS4 fans feel isolated or alienated away from a new fan base that's going to grow with a more powerful hardware. Because I do feel like, as I've said many times, there's going to be some sort of issue, I think, 
with saying like this is God of War and look how good it looks. Look how good Kratos and his son look. And it's running on Neo and everyone's going to be like, well, what about how does it look on the old PS4? Are they, are they going to show side by side images at E3 next year being like, this is the game on Neo and this is the game on PS4? They can't do that. And then, but th- of course they can. So then like, there's just going to be a lot of questions. Are they going to be, is it going to be like better than better on Neo or whatever it's going to be called on, on the box. So I just, I'm curious about how this goes. I, I feel like there's, there's not only the, the the computational problem that you were talking about about how this doesn't seem to be a quantum leap like Scorpio was, and I've talked about that on, on the show. That's why I think Scorpio seems like a much more reasonable machine, not only because of its power jump, but because it's coming out four years after the console came out, as opposed to three years. Right. Um, but they have this obvious marketing challenge, optical challenge about how they're going to appease forty five million PS four unit uh, owner unit owners that are accustomed to what they already have. Right. And I think that comes from, you know, there were rumors about this, but nothing solid came through about it. Um, There were rumors about, you know, Sony cooking up some kind of an agreement that all people who wanted to, all all companies, third party, and obviously first, that want to publish a game on their platform are going to need to commit to a regular standard version and a Neo version. um, And that, you know, you can't tank the – you can't make something that's designed to the Neo spec with the idea that it won't run well and operate well at the standard spec. They, It sounds like they have a plan in mind of some kind to make sure that PS4 owners, vanilla PS4 owners, aren't going to be getting the shaft. They may not be getting the better experience, but they're, I think they're, they're trying to put something solid in place to make sure that developers don't just shaft – existing ps4 owners because that would obviously be terrible for everybody but like that begs the question then how do they sell developers and publishers on the idea that it's worth their time and money to essentially develop and certify which isn't cheap um two versions of the game but like i guess my my immediate counterpoint to myself though is that they're already doing that you know the the ps4 was intentionally made in terms of its architecture to be very similar to a pc for a reason. That's that they can spec their games, developers can spec their games on a PC version and then easily translate, you know, the performance uh, or scale it down, whatever, uh, for the console version. So being as it may that PC games are already can be made to a whole variety of different specs, developers are kind of already in the situation where they're um, where they're making several versions of the game. Uh, if their game is going to be on PC, that is. So it's like if you can put your game on PC, then you can put your game on two different versions of the PS4, assuming that Sony supports it the right way, doesn't make totally uh, oppressive rules about it, and then maybe they give people a break on the certification costs. I don't know. I, I think the thing I'm expecting and hoping to see more than anything from the from the from the event isn't so much what the box looks like or how powerful it is, but what they're doing to make sure this isn't doom and gloom for developers. Because the reason the PS4 has succeeded so well, um, and the reason why I think I was so excited about it even right from the beginning, was because it was very clear from the specs and from their posturing that they were putting the developer first. And I've always known and felt that that was the way to make a powerful. Uh, successful uh, gaming platform is to think about what the developers need. If suddenly you start putting in, in, in all kinds of crazy rules and requirements that cost developers time and money, suddenly the PlayStation platform isn't as strong. So I really want to hear out of this meeting what they're doing to make sure that this is something that works for not just Sony and not just PS4 owners, but that works for developers. Because if it doesn't work for the developers, it's not going to work for any of us. Right. I agree with you there. And I, yeah, they, they they have a lot of challenges. I think... These are unforced errors, but as we were talking about at lunch, um, they might be smart to be ahead of the curve here, depending on the, the 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 direction that the gaming industry is going. I think it's just that the console space has to get used to these to this uh, 
this new reality. Right. And I think they're going to very quickly. We got another question. This one's from Ricky who asks, um, would Sony be crazy enough to stealth release a new Vita at the PS meeting on September 7th in New York City? With the Nintendo NX being a handheld, is it possible that Sony heard rumblings about this a year ago and decided that it was time to dust off the Vita 2 plans? I think that this might be a smart move for Sony if the new Vita dubbed Vita Trinity over a gaff. Get it, Neomorpheus and Trinity. To get some handheld market share before Nintendo comes out, if the, if the drops... if this drops the need for proprietary memory cards or supports SD cards. Sony may have a hit on their hands. Much love and adoration, Ricky. No, this rumor, I don't know if you saw, was percolating last week because there was there was some patents coming out of Sony that indicated that they were making a mobile device. Um, and it could be maybe a slimmed-down Vita or a new Vita. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a new Vita, a new handheld. Who the hell knows what it would be called? I've often said that Sony is crazy enough to do it. I've, I've, and I've used that exact term, that Sony's absolutely crazy enough. And I'm sure that there were R&D plans, and I'm sure they are indeed a new Vita or a new handheld. Um, before they realize that, that it wasn't necessary. I think that this is a left field kind of thing that would be make me fucking so happy. Oh, both but, of us. But I, don't, I just don't see why they would do I, that. Neither can I. Um, yeah. The one thing that I think is more likely, Vince, is that, and, and Greg and I discussed this, I think, on Gamescast last week, but I think, it's, I think it's possible, is that in addition to revealing the Neo inevitably on September 7th, um, that they re- re- reveal a slim PS4, um, Thus being able to precipitously drop the price of the PlayStation 4 and keep maybe Neo at the same price point or just a notch above 350 let's say. What, how do you feel about that? Do you think that they're just going to focus on the Neo or do you think they're going to be like, oh, for a cheaper 199 experience, for instance, or a two, one, you know, whatever, 249 experience, we'll have this slim PS4 standard model? Or are they going to phase the PS4 out, basically, and is it possible that maybe the Neo becomes the new standard model going forward? Uh, if the Neo becomes the new standard model going forward, they'll have a, I think, a whole lot of angry people on their hands. I don't think, I don't think that anyone. So that what I just spoke about before, right? The idea that they're possibly trying to think of uh, mandates that will make it so that the PS4 Neo doesn't end up cannibalizing uh, the PS4 market. Um, I, I think those two ideas would be kind of in direct contrast with one another, right? Like, I don't see any reason why they would. Uh, that we'd be hearing rumors that that they're trying to make sure that developers develop for both systems if their plan is to eradicate one. Um, and I don't see any reason why it would be a good idea for them to take something that's selling so well for them and pull it off the shelves entirely. That doesn't make uh, uh, sense, I don't think, for anybody. So I don't think that'll happen. What I, what I do think for sure is – what I know for sure is that you cannot talk about the PS4 Neo without talking about the PS4. You cannot talk about what this new – um, upgrade system is going to be and what it's going to mean for the future and not talk about what the PS4's place in that future is. So do I think a Slim is coming? Not necessarily. Honestly, maybe this is just me being a fanboy or whatever, but I think the PS4 is designed already so impeccably that there's really no need for a Slim. I don't think you need... I can't... I, I've never once looked at my PS4 and gone, wow, wish that was half the size. Like, I've, that's just never anything I've ever, I've so, ever felt. So you're referring, of course, to the fat PS3 to the 2009 Slim model, which was kind of imperative. Right. Not I only mean, to drop the cost of it, but also from a, like a sleekness perspective. Sure, exactly. They can certainly drop the cost of and, and improve the cooling and performance of the PS4 internally without making drastic changes to the footprint, though. So I... Like with all hardware, they'll continue to do that and continue to drive their own costs down in that way. And, of course, they'll continue to eventually pass the savings on to the consumer and lower the price. And i that's the one thing I do totally agree with you about about what you were saying is that I would be shocked if uh, this PS4 Neo event didn't come with a new price point, uh, you know, a, a first price point for um, for the PS4 Neo, but also will come with a brand new lower price point. For the PS4, um, which will just make 
the PS4, which is already selling like hotcakes, just fly off of shelves. And um, but at the same time, you know, it's funny. I'm, now I'm second guessing myself. I was going to say that, but you know, can you think of a, a bigger way to undercut your trying to sell a new piece of hardware than to make the one that it's supposed to be the upgrade to? Cheaper. I mean, isn't that going to make is, more people go? This is the well, I would rather just buy the cheaper yeah, one. Yeah, this then. is the conundrum, though, because this is what we were talking about a little bit at, at, at lunch. You know, it's not something I had considered actually until recently in, in in this most in this most basic form, which is if the PS4's jump isn't as quantum as the Scorpio's jump, right? And if you're really only getting twenty percent more power, whatever whatever it is, like twenty five percent more power, and it runs the PSVR better or whatever, and you need a four K TV and all this kind of stuff. Is the way to make it more valuable to make the other one look cheaper? Like, like is that like they have to? There's got to be at some point they're gonna have to make a, it's gonna be a gambit at some point to to be like we either there's only a few ways you can do this either and I think there are pros and cons for all of them. I don't necessarily think that it's necessarily all downside for them to say like we're not manufacturing PS4 anymore because this new one is gonna be the same price as what we're selling now and it's just more powerful and we just don't need the old one anymore but the old one's gonna work fine for you well the, at the end of the day we'll have 50 million of them in, in, in the wild and we're not gonna stop making games for them it's just that like this is the console moving forward this and it's just it's this way and i think that this became a more possible kind of thing when the the new xbox s or whatever it's called xbox one s is more powerful than the original xbox one in some like minor way yeah and so they could just be like well this is the way it's gonna be now and we'll fire sale these old ones. We have a few million like laying around or whatever. So I don't necessarily think it's all downside, but I do agree that uh, they will probably sell these concurrently to each other. I just think that the way to make the new one f- seem more valuable is to precipitously drop the price of the old one. And I'm talking like a significant price drop, like 199, you know. And then makes it, it so it makes it more accessible. They sell a bunch of those units, but then they're like, but this other one is it, we we're look how much even though it might not be true, like look how much more valuable it is. It's a, it's 150 dollars more expensive. The of problem- course, it's better. Sure. You know, I, I think I think that it's there's gotta be some sort of smoke and mirrors here because I, I don't think that the console even really needs to exist at all. I mean that's 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 been my kind of case. That's right. it, I'm gonna buy it day one, but Right. And the interesting thing, the tough thing about it too is that like no matter which way they go, they're gonna have to do some spin doctoring to not piss somebody off. The only reason I think that they might not do what you're talking about is because I think if you drop the PS4's price that low to the point you might create the perception amongst people who already own it that it's the that it's the budget option now, and then you're gonna then you're definitely gonna invite the ire of people. They're gonna feel like they invested early on something that Sony has already decided to give up on, and they haven't decided to give up on it. And I'm sure they're not gonna just give up on it. Um, at least they said they haven't in any case. But you know, it is gonna create the perception in people's minds. I'm like, if if, if mine is now the one hundred and fifty dollar model, then well, A, what did I buy it for? And B, that just, in my ma- mind, makes me feel like if I don't have the Neo, then I don't have a PlayStation 4. I don't have, you know, I have a pretend PS4. I have a knockoff PS4. And I don't think they want people to to have that perception. So I don't think they'll do it quite that way. I don't know. We'll see. Well, all right. So exit questions then. Uh, twofold. What's the release date? And what's the what, What's the price of the new console? I say... I've been vacillating a lot on this. There, there were parts of me that were like, because of the rumors about the dev kits going out late, I'm like, well, maybe they're not even going to release this until next year now. Um, but they can spec the PC and kind of port these things over quickly, so I'm not necessarily sure that that's the case. I'm going to st- I'm gonna finally settle on October 13th, the day PSVR comes out, is going to be the day the console comes out. And uh, I'm going to say $300. Same price. You think it's going to be the same price? Yeah. Wow. Um, that would be incredible. I, I just don't think... That's the. Let me just. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's the best scenario for them because 
they can at least say like, yeah, it's more powerful, but we're not charging more for it. And and I think this will placate some people. So I think that like when you look at it that way, and there'll be a PS4 new price shop, like the old the old PS4. Right, right, right. So I think that that alignment is probably the best alignment for them. But who the hell knows if they can actually meet that? They're not going to sell a console at a loss. I don't think so. Right, right, right. Um, so. I, I think that the release date being the same or in the same month in October is pretty safe. Um, it's a pretty safe bet. I mean, like, why wouldn't you, like, you've got all this buzz that's going to be circling around about the PlayStation VR. That seems like an ideal, like, if, if you're talking about a time when someone is going to want to buy um, a new piece of hardware that they don't own already, like a new a new console, like, that's the time, right? Like, people go, ooh, this PSVR thing sounds awesome. I should buy I should buy a PS4. And that, that's when the person is looking. They're opening up their wallet already, right? So that's the good moment to hit them with the more expensive, more high-end system. Um, so, yeah, that makes enough sense. As far as the price goes, I don't see any... Maybe I'm overestimating how much of a power jump the, uh, the PS4 or the PS Neo will be. But I think... Probably three hundred and fifty or four hundred is more likely. So I think it's gonna. I think. I mean, yeah. Would it be ideal if they can make it three hundred? Sure, but I don't know how they could get an appreciable jump in power at three hundred. You know, like I feel like they could. You know, in an ideal world, the idea for me is that the Neo makes PSVR better. You know, and I don't see how you could make a system that specs high enough to make PSVR significantly better without making it also significantly more expensive. So I would say three hundred and fifty or four hundred. Um. Final question, final exit question that I, I should have asked as well. What's the name going to be? This is something that Greg and I have been agonizing over. Tim thinks, for instance, and I think that depending on how they go, that they might just call it PlayStation 4. Like, it might, or, you know, it might just be like, it's just PlayStation 4. We might have a different little, it's like the uh, old codes on the back of the old PlayStations where it was right. like 1 and 2 and 3. like 1,000 series. Yeah, exactly. Series, exactly. Right? And uh, I think it's going to be called PS4 Plus. Uh I think PS4.1 or PS4-2. Like, I don't... I don't what no, do you they think? won't get into numbers. They won't get into numbers. What do you think? That's too much of a marketing mess for them. They, they would never get into the numbers. I, I agree with you. It, it'll be... Uh, they'll, they'll go the... Like, they're going to go the route of the hardware model that they're kind of following, which is the tablet and phone uh, market. So they're going to go with something like PlayStation 4S or PlayStation 4C or PlayStation 4 Plus, like you said. Um, yeah, I think it'll be... Uh, I don't know why, but I feel like PlayStation 4R sounds cool. What would the R stand for? Like reimagined? I don't what know. kind of marketing buzz term do you think that they would? Well, R will do it stand for what it always stands for. What, uh, what does it stand for usually? I don't think I know. R. That's all you need to know, Colin. That's it? That's it. Right. That's, how you, that's how you win at marketing. Okay. That's that's marketing 101, I guess. <laughs> Make it sound cool and have no good reason for um, it. I do think, you know, the funny thing about this, Vincent, I don't want to belabor the point too much. We'll move on to the next the next issue here. But I do want to say that this is a revolutionary kind of thing, like this particular console for mm. console gaming and for, and for the history sure. of the space. Because as we've talked about in the past, the NES, 85 NES and the 93 NES, so the, the top loader NES, they were not different. Like, they didn't play the games any different. They had some different innards, and the top-loading NES is fantastic. Fantastic. I fucking absolutely love the unit. The dog bone controller's not bad either. No. But it, they didn't do anything to the games. The SNES iterations didn't do anything to the games. All those Genesises didn't do... Genesis. Genesis. Didn't do anything to the games, right? PS2 to the PS2 Slim didn't do anything to the games. PS PlayStation to PS1 didn't do anything. PS3 to the PS3 Slim to you know the George Foreman grill. You know what did to the games? The 32X. Just the, saying. The 30, yeah, but that's, that's saying. an add-on. Right, like the thirty two. Right, okay, fair enough. Fair so, enough, fair enough. so thirty two X is an ad Genesis add on. It's not 
a new console, right? Like this seems to be now Xbox. The 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 they didn't under they underplayed it, but Xbox One S or whatever or whatever the fuck it's called didn't is doing something in the games. It is it is like a small modular step in the in the direction of making games faster or whatever whatever it is. Four K four K capable. Um like native HDR support. So we're just what I'm saying is like we we're getting into a PC centric space now that PC gamers and I've talked about this a lot that PC gamers are often the beta testers of everything we often do. Steam's a great example, sure. of that, right? Um and I just I think that from a historical standpoint this is kind of significant because we're now getting into the space not of literally modular consoles which I think would be way smarter and I don't know how they would do that. I'm not an engineer but they should have figured out how to do that a long time ago. That makes me see that makes me sense that they did not anticipate this when the PS4 came out. <laughs> um but uh, or at least when the PS4 was designed, but we're, we're getting into a space where we're going to iterate quicker for better or for worse. And we're going to see how that all works out. I think price and perceived value is going to be the those are the big hallmarks of this. And if they can overcome those, um, they're going to be just fine. So we'll see what happens. Number two. PS4's next big firmware for firmware 4.0 codenamed Shenzhen will soon be undergoing a public beta. And now for the first time we know what this firmware update is going to do to our PlayStation 4 consoles. Have you seen have you seen the story? I've read the notes, yep. Sony's John Kohler wrote the following on PlayStation blog about what we can expect. So I thought I'd just read it straight out off the blog so we don't skip anything because yeah. there's like six things that it does it seems like I think maybe five. UI refresh. We've made a lot of adjustments and improvements to PS4's main user interface. That includes some changes you may notice right away like new system backgrounds and a revised What's New tab, to smaller changes like updated pop-up notifications and redesigned system icons. As a whole, it all adds up to a more refined and easy-to-use UI. The overall look and feel of the UI remains the same. It just has a fresh coat of paint. Quick menu. As you know, pressing and holding the PS button on your DualShock 4 brings up the quick menu. We've overhauled this menu to make it faster and easier to use. One big change is that the menu now only covers a portion of the screen, meaning you don't need to leave gameplay entirely. So that's interesting. We've added several new items to the quick menu, letting you quickly get info without having to back to go back to the home screen. You can see the online status of your friends and shortcuts to quickly access your party, favorite groups, communities, and more. You can also customize the quick menu, removing or adding items as you see fit. Number three is share menu. We've given a similar overhaul to the share menu, which appears once you press the share button on your DualShock 4. Like the quick menu, it only covers a portion of the screen. It will save the last social network you shared video clips or screenshots to, it, making the process of sharing a screenshot or video a bit faster and more streamlined. You can also upload, long, up, upload longer video clips to Twitter. was 10 seconds, now up to 140. Nice. Folders and library organization. One of the big requests we get is for more options to organize content on PS4. With this update, we're adding functionality to create folders on PS4's content launcher and library. This will help collect your favorite games and select apps in one place for quick and easy access. Just a sidebar here. What I like about this is that you can do it in the library, not only on the cross media bar, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty big. Um, we because I have something like two hundred games on PS4 and like scrolling, <laughs> right. scrolling through all those. It's, it's like, always a pain. We're also making some pretty big changes to the library. We've added a new tab called Purchased, which will show all the content you own, games, applications, demos, and betas you've participated in. As a result, the games and application tabs focus on the content currently installed on your system. This should help declutter your library and make it faster and to find the content you're looking for. There are some new sorting tools for your library as well. You'll be able to sort content by purchase date or install status and search for specific games or apps via text input. Nice. Number four is trophy inputs. I think this is four, right? No, maybe number five. I don't know. Who cares? Trophy improvements. This update brings the ability to view trophies offline. This was a big thing. You cannot view trophies offline on PS4, which is bizarre. There is one way around it, apparently, which is to like log into a guest account or something. I don't know. Some weird thing. But you'll see a new offline mode option if your system is unable to connect to the network, letting you view your entire trophy collection without an internet connection. We've also added a button that will let you view the content of a hidden trophy. 
The trophy will still be hidden by default, but you can now choose to show the trophy name and info. That's pretty cool. It's kind now, of cool, but it's weird. It's like it's not, well, that's not a hidden. That's not hidden anymore. Well, the re- only reason the trophies were hidden mostly was either to be dickheaded like Quantum Quantic Dream would do. They had all their trophies, which is fucking obnoxious, or to avoid spoilers. But you could just go on PSN profiles and see them in two seconds. So this is basically just letting you skip. Yeah, I guess that's true. They're just taking out the middle man. Yep. Says lastly, we've changing the icons that icons that show how rare a trophy is. Instead of four boxes that fill, the icon looks like a pyramid with the ultra rare trophies at the top. So that's pretty cool. And uh, user profile is the final one. It says we've updated the look of the user profile, making it easier to see relevant info for a player at a glance. For instance, you can now see your trophy progress compared with another player right from their profile. You can also add a background image to your own profile, perhaps a screenshot you took in one of your favorite games. Or for you, a picture of me. The update has even more features that won't be available in the beta, so stay tuned for additional info on what to expect. We'll be coming back with more info on 4.0, including its launch date in the coming weeks. So Shinjen, almost ready for prime time. Nice. Any thoughts on any of that? Uh, not really. It I seems mean, a little like, underwhelming. It's, it, I was going to say, it's it's... The UI, which I think is already pretty clean and easily usable, will be a little bit cleaner, and that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't sound like a big experience-changing thing. I think, the, honestly, the biggest feature that they're probably underselling, if I, if, I, if I was the one writing that blog post, right, like, I think the thing I would have zeroed in on a lot is the change in the size of video clip you can upload to Twitter. That's probably the biggest thing to me, because, like, it's gone from, like, 10 seconds is, like, you can't tell a story, really, with your gameplay clip in 10 seconds. It's like very hard to, right? But like you know, if you have two minutes and twenty seconds to work with, you can show a substantial, awesome clip that like will do well for you if you have a good you know Twitter platform. Uh, so I think that's kind of like a big deal. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, little little tweaks. I feel like it's a little underwhelming for the like the point oh um, updates, which are the massive ones. I feel like mm, right, right, right. Like this is supposed to, be the, supposed to be like the new generation, like year four, right? Year four of. The firmware. Yeah, so you're right. Maybe it'll be coming quicker and we'll get a, a more substantial one in the future as well. Number three. This is big news. This would be the biggest news of the week if not for those other two pieces of news, in my opinion. Final Fantasy 15 has been delayed again. The word comes by way of publisher Square Enix, which revealed that the game will now come out two months later than it was originally supposed to come out this time around. And will now launch on November 29, 2016. In a statement, Square Enix says that, quote, this release date will allow the development team time to further polish and conduct quality testing so that the reality of the game can match the expectations of both the fans and the creative teams, end quote. Hajime Tabata, the game's director, said, quote, from the moment we joined this project, our vision was to create a level of freedom and realism previously unseen in the series. Regrettably, we need a little bit more time to deliver on this vision and are confident that this new release date will help us achieve this. As the director and lead of this project, I wish to personally apologize for the additional weight. As a team, we want Final Fantasy XV to achieve a level of perfection that our fans deserve. We kindly ask for your understanding, end quote. In a video of Tabata, distilled by NeoGAF user Duckroll, he further said that the game actually went gold the other day, and that they are basically planning a major patch for day one that they are now going to fold into the disc itself. So basically, they were going to get about a mm, month and a half, to, to, or maybe like a month because they have to certify it, to patch the game. And now, basically, they're just going to fold the patch as well as additional tweaks into the disc and then probably print that disc in November. Mm-hmm. So... Um, not a huge surprise. I think I predicted this. This was going to happen. I'm surprised that the delay is not more substantial. The rumors about this game, and I can't substantiate them in any primary source sort of way, so I, I'm not going to say anything about like that. But the, the things I have been reading and hearing about this from various places on the internet is that the game was in terrible shape. It and, has not been demoing well. It's not been demoing well, but apparently also, and who knows if you can take this stuff with a grain of salt or not. I don't know if you, what you've been reading, that the game is like not in, just generally not in good shape, like not ready. And whether or not that's true or not, 
I don't know, but this seems to indicate that that is in fact the case because I don't buy for a second <clears throat> in the day of in the era of day one patches, <clears throat> e.g., No Man's Sky, in which they released a patch that fundamentally changed the entire game. Uh, that they can't just patch the game; they, they need more time. And so the game might have gone gold, but they're going to go gold again. So, um, do you have any thoughts on this? I have I have very little hope in Final Fantasy 15 being anything better than good. Um, and I hope it'll be that. You know, I really I really do. Um, but so far, every demo that they've shown for that game is just it's beautiful and also underwhelming in terms of like the implications <laughs> for you know as far as gameplay goes. Um, and you know, this kind of like indicates to me that. You know, my, my biggest fear when I when I saw the first demos was like, this is beautiful and it's expansive, but I don't know if this is like, I don't know if you can inject a world this big or this detailed with, I don't know, the kind of character and the kind of like gameplay depth that um, that I expect out of a Final Fantasy game. And I feel like this delay kind of runs in line with that thinking. It sounds like they're struggling just to get this beast, you know, to stay on the rails let alone, you know, flesh it out and making it something substantial from a gameplay end of things. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm I was already concerned about the game, and now I'm doubly concerned from a business standpoint. Also, they miss, um, you know, they miss Black Friday in America, which is, you know, a big deal. I, I mean, not not to sound like you know America is the end all and be all. Obviously, the game is you know it is large, the biggest market for video games. You know, it is it is the biggest market for video games, and increasingly, like that is. You know, Final Fantasy is still, I'm not going to say it's not a big deal in Japan, but it's not as big of a deal as it used to be, you know. No, um, especially not with what's coming out around it. Exa- um, exactly. And that's that's where the, this question um, comes in here. Uh, in a way, Lavitz asks us, greetings and salutations. Now that Final Fantasy 15 has been officially delayed, do you feel sales of the game will be impacted by releasing it in the packed month of November? And do you believe it might still be pushed back to early 2017? <coughs> Excuse me. I, I don't think it's going to get pushed again. I don't know that they could, I don't know that they can do that. Like if they push the game again after delaying it two months, after having this whole ridiculously extravagant release party thing that they did, you're really you're really fucking up at this point. I think they're smart to get away from Persona in Japan. Yep. Um that's 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 what a lot of this has to do with too. Like I was saying they're not the biggest they're not necessarily the biggest thing in Japan anymore. That's because Persona is. You know, Persona is I, I think Persona five, I've said this, like Persona five I think will will outsell Final Fantasy. 15 in Japan. I think so too. And yeah. I'm what I'm starting to wonder because of so Final Fantasy 15 is going to sell millions of copies in the West. There's no doubt about it. People are excited about it. I'm sure they're going to have a marketing push. It does come out at an awkward time yet Christmas is right around the corner. You can sit with it. It's 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 not necessarily the te- most terrible release timing, I don't think, because people that play Call of Duty aren't necessarily going to play sure this game. I'm not saying you Those don't. Those two don't I really both, I play them. both of them, but I mean like sure. a lot of yeah, exactly. They don't necessarily or right. even intrinsically cannibalize each other, right? right? So there's no worry there. My concern is twofold. The game is actually getting comically long in the tooth. Just in its, it's, it was announced when I was in college. I'm 31, right? <laughs> yeah. The game was announced. Everyone's like, "Well, it wasn't really Final Fantasy 15." I'm like, "Shut up!" It was Final Fantasy 15 this entire time, and it had a different name. It's the same game. It's been in development. It's embarrassing, right? That like the game's not out yet. They should have released it. They should just fucking release it, right? <laughs> but delays, as the as um, common knowledge goes, as conventional wisdom goes, right? Delays are never bad for a game. It can only make the game better. They're not going to delay the game and make it worse. Sure. So whatever we get in November is going to be probably better than what it was. Now, if the game is a six or something like that in November, then you have to imagine they were working with like a five. Five, right, exactly. Um, in September, 
I don't. I mean, this game doesn't appeal to me at all. But I want to play it out of morbid, the most morbid sense of curiosity. Like I can't even describe to you how morbid that sense of curiosity is. <laughs> like I just need to see it. I need to see what's in this game's DNA. Uh, just from just from my own edification. <clears throat> the bigger thing does have to do with Persona, and I do think the one thing that's going to hurt it is it was going to come out two weeks away from Persona, which is not which is not good for that game. And now it's going to have a little bit more space. But now people are going to be able to digest Persona in Japan. Yep. And this game is going to be directly compared to it. And I'd be absolutely shocked if this game was anywhere in the same league as Persona Five, which I think people are already. I'll pretty much understand is going to be a great it's game. Going to be spectacular. Now I don't want to prejudge it. I'm not a Persona fan. I just know the way people feel about Persona Four, about how much time the internal Atlas team took, Persona team took on this game. They haven't made a game in a long time. You know, Catherine really their first big AAA game. And how big uh, of a deal? Then, how big of a deal? I'm uh, sorry, but uh, how big of a deal Persona Four is in and Persona in general is in Japan. I mean, they have they have Persona musicals and they have Persona road shows and they have Persona float. I mean, like this this Persona mania has gripped has gripped Japan and um in a very real way, I think by moving that far past like you said, not only are people going to have a chance to digest Persona 5 a little bit, it's going to let it's going to give it that time for word of mouth to spread. Um you know, it's like sometimes like yeah, you you're afraid of a of a big competitor like that, and you don't want to launch on the same day. But sometimes, you know, by by delaying, you're actually just giving them more of a head start to to sink their their claws into the market. You know what I mean? Like if there are people who weren't gonna buy Persona Five on that day because they wanted to buy Final Fantasy in Japan, right? Now there's not just that day where 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 Final Fantasy Fifteen isn't there to capture their money, but there's a couple of weeks afterwards now where three of that person's friends go. Persona 5 is the truth. This guy's like, I don't have Final Fantasy to play. I really wanted something to play. I was looking forward to having something to play this month. You know what? Let me give it a shot. And then bam, their money's gone. You're not getting it. And you're not getting it now. You know, or if you do, you're getting it when Final Fantasy 15 goes down in price at some point next year or whatever. Um, so I feel like it's, you know, and I totally agree. Like there's no, there's never a time when a, when a delay is bad for a game's quality level. But it can indicate bad things for a game. Oh yeah, and I that like, I agree with. And I feel like this is one of those situations. Like, if the game needs a, a, a two months more, and the reasons are things like we want to batten down the hatches on the quality, then that's a team that's struggling with as much time as they've had and as much resources they have at their fingertips. This isn't some small developer, folks. You know, this isn't a small company with meager with a you know with a meager with meager means. You know. These are. This is a, a big, big company with a big, big publisher behind them that has a lot of money. Um, if they're having so much trouble that they can't, you know, get the seams to stay together, and they need an extra two months to make that happen, doesn't speak well for the state the game is in right now. Yeah, and I think the only reason that the delay isn't longer is because I think November 29th seems to be a cutoff point. Yeah, like you can't release it after right. that. You're not releasing Just Cause three or something. Although Square Enix did release Just Cause three in December. Yeah. You you at that point you have to hold it until February. Right. And I think that that to them looks so bad. I think that if Tabata had his way, they'd probably hold the game actually and get way more time. Yeah. Based on the anecdotal, completely take away the grain of salt rumors that have been circulating about how the game's quality and the game's the, the fact that the game is like just not in good shape. It just uh, I agree with you that um, it doesn't portend for this like well for this game to have a delay this late, and it's not cheap for them to do it either. Um, remember that it, the, the the rumors originally came out. 
because of stuff materials they were sending like stickers that they were sending to GameStop to put over posters and, and cardboard cutouts of whatever the fuck the corny characters are in the game. So uh so to me I feel like I again the most it's the same thing with the last guardian the most morbid level of curiosity, right? <laughs> possible but even more for this than the last guardian because i was never really that interested in the last guardian to begin with there was a time where you know well any final fantasy game is going to intrigue me just as an rpg fan right um i would really love to see persona beat it though like and, and that's just and that's just me from a let's get something new and fresh kind of thing in here it's the same way i felt about tales all, the, all those years i love tales i have a soft spot for tales um and a lot of people were like well sega and atlas must be thrilled that this delay and i'm like i don't know that they give a fuck like i think that they were ready to i think that they picked that date and that they were ready, that they have the game, they have the goods, you know? Persona's been Persona's been the scrappy underdog for two iterations running now, for three and four. You know what I mean? They've been the scrappy underdog for, for a few iterations running. They're, they're that competitor who you're like, this guy's got more talent, he's got more heart, he's got more tools. But he just hasn't had like a strong uh, a, a training regimen around him or he hasn't been on as good a, on as good a team. Like Persona 5 represents... You know, Atlas putting the full weight and resources that they have behind a game that they know, a, a franchise that they know is waiting to explode into the upper tier of of, of RPG franchises. And they're like, well, this is it. it, it they've proven it two games running now. And we're gonna put all our money and all our all our resources behind it. Give them the time and space they need to make something special. This is like Persona's moment where it grabs. Where it grabs the gold. I agree. You know? I think it's going to be. I think that it's going to be at the very least sales wise competitive, and I think people are going to be very surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, that haven't been paying uh, very close attention. Um, closing comments on this for me: this delay and Final Fantasy XV's drama, especially with the cross pollination of top tier talent and certainly mid tier and low tier talent between teams at Square Enix. You have to assume it's all hands on deck for this game right yep. now. Kingdom Hearts three probably not going to be seen for a long time and find this final fantasy 7 shit like i like i i can't even imagine when we're going to see that <laughs> right like and i know they're splitting up in episodes and basically going to ruin the story probably but uh like kingdom hearts 3 this 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 hope keeps circulating this game this year next like earlier maybe next year i'm like you are dreaming 2018 is yeah, the, is yeah. when we are seeing kingdom yeah hearts. i think at the earliest far, at the earliest as, and i think remakes the same thing like i i think I think remake. Will I think they're. I think they are in over their heads, man. I, I like on a, on a, on the Japanese side, AAA level. So not Tokyo RPG Factory, not you know all this other shit like they make with uh, the the what's those those 3DS RPGs that are bravely default. And I'm not talking about any of those. Mm-hmm. With the AAA Japanese centric stuff, they seem to be in over their heads, and that's just my perception. And I'm not I'm not projecting that on Crystal or. Square Enix Montreal, Idos. Yeah, like I like with Hitman. Hitman seems fine. Tomb Raider's fine. Deus Ex is fine. Everything's good, but over there, there seems to be something wrong, and that's why it's almost a dynamic, serendipitous sort of thing that they like. They Square really started a decade or more ago to really start heavily investing in Western studios and Western publishing because if that is all they had, like that's all they had when we were kids, they might be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So um, anyway, I digress. Number four. 
Sony-owned developer Polyphony Digital released updated sales figures for the entire Gran Turismo franchise. The newest entry, Gran Turismo 6, which came to PS3 in December of 2013, has sold just a hair over 5 million copies. Soft Not sales for a series that typically sold far more. Sure. Gran Turismo 5 on PS3, for instance, is just a shade under 12 million units sold. And as far as I know, that is the best-selling exclusive on PS3. The overall franchise has sold a staggering 76.8 million copies since the original Gran Turismo's launch on PS1. Yeah, 5 million copies, more than respectable. Yeah. If for you look at their sales figures, oh right, right. In terms of the past, sure, not not, not so much. But I mean, for it was a, a bad like, time to release. It was a horrible December time. after the new console came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was at, at that at that E three where we were where we were playing it. It was uh, it was being the I. This is what happened. I went straight from playing uh, Forza four for Xbox One. Or was it five? Damn it. The wow, I'm getting on my Forza at that time. The most recent Forza at, at that time, the most recent, the Forza that that Xbox One launched with, which I think is four. Um, I went from playing that right over to Polyphony's area and playing GT6, and I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm a person who loves GT, I loved Gran Turismo, uh, was a fanatic, especially for one, two, and three. Um, so yeah. But given that they came in so late into the game and who they were competing against and what kind of uh, firepower they were competing against, I think that that's a pretty good number. Number five. Several years ago, Tequila Works, the studio behind 2012's Deadlight, teamed up with Sony to make a PS4-exclusive adventure game called Rhyme. The game was revealed in 2013, and little was heard about it until earlier this year, when Sony and Tequila Works severed its relationship under questionable circumstances. In the process, Tequila Works retained the rights to the IP. Small publishers Greybox and Sixfoot will now be publishing the game, which may come out in 2017. More details will emerge later about release timing and whether it's still a PS4 exclusive, although it almost certainly isn't. Um, now, this is a surprise to me, and Greg and I were talking about this a little bit, you remember all the stuff that was circulating about this, right? That like so, and again, this is all anecdotal. I don't have any primary information about this at all. But what we were reading was that Sony basically went in there and was like, "We're taking the dev kits back." Like, oh, you wow, know, you know, like the game's not shaping up. And I think that this, if those rumors are true, and I think that was on like NeoGaf or something, if those rumors are true, then this plays that out because who the fuck is Gray Box and Six Foot? Like they, like no offense, I'm, I mean, they could be become the biggest thing in the world. I don't know who they are. Maybe I'm just ignorant. I'm ignorant about a lot of things. But this says to me, like, they couldn't attract a Capcom or a uh, Ubisoft, someone to, like, come publish this game. Um, Tequila Works, uh, the wording about all of this was so weird. Like, Tequila Works chose to take the IP back. Like, that's not really the way it works. Like, that wasn't your IP. Like, Sony doesn't want it, it sounds like. Um, So there was a lot of... And, and what I've said before is this happened, this isn't unprecedented, and I've used this example before, so excuse me because it doesn't happen very often, but Remember Me is a great example. of That was supposed to be a PS3 exclusive, and uh, Sony was like, nah, we're done. Like, and Capcom found Don't Nod and, and finished the game and all that kind of stuff, and it ended up coming out and it wasn't very good. Now, Don't Nod turned into a pretty fantastic studio with Life is Strange, um, but nonetheless, I thought that was just an interesting piece of information for people out there. So, Rhyme is coming. It will presumably at least be on PlayStation 4. I don't think it'll be an exclusive. It's being published by people you've probably never heard about. Tequila Works is still working on the game. I really need to know some finite details, though, on the souring of that relationship because there was a lot of interesting chatter out there. And you know, not all chatter is true, right? But like when you're reading these like insider forums and like Reddit posts, you can sometimes tell. There's at least a kernel in there. Yeah, like someone's saying, like someone, uh, like Sony wouldn't invent. I was at Gamescom when that game was revealed. Like Sony, wouldn't, you wouldn't just 
um, put a game on the stage and then invest money in it and give it first party resources and basically turn it into a de facto second party and then be like, no, no, never mind. Like something, ha- something happened. Yeah. And I mean, whether or not we ever find out what that is, I don't know. Because when you think about the, the amount of trust that Sony has generally put into their partners in that regard, you know, they've they've given money to lots of small studios and lots of small outfits and kind of brought them in and made them part of the family uh, and let them take big risks with, uh, you know, on their dime. It would be difficult for me to it'd be difficult for me to think about the kind of state Rhyme would have had to have been in for Sony to in earnest kind of be like, we're pulling the plug on you. Uh, so I'm kind of with you. I feel like. Something crazy must have happened there that we don't know about. Just like, I mean, and that's the crazy thing is that we don't, we don't, a lot of the times these stories go completely untold. Like, you know, it's a story that, uh, and maybe I'm transitioning here, um, I don't know, but I think a story that I think I, I really still want to know uh, the details of is how No Man's Sky ended up being a console exclusive on, you know, for PS4 when it was Microsoft who came in and bailed Hello Games out when the flood destroyed their offices and Microsoft just came through and wrote a big check and was like, here, get yourself on your feet. And then somehow the yeah, game ends I've up on it. I've heard some interesting stuff. I, I just don't There's know. There's got to be a story yeah, there. There, there. There has to be is. a story there. Like we'll, we'll never know it. And it's possible that this rhyme one will, will go down in history the same way. Like we'll never really know probably what, what really happened that made Sony. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Sony did just get gun shy and say, you know what? We're cutting our losses, but it doesn't sound like the Sony we know. So, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking. I'm I'm pouring over the NeoGaf thread for Rhyme to try to find a link to the other stuff. Uh, um, I can't find it, but there was like I, I think it might have been on Reddit or something. I don't know. People can go look at it again. It's it's who the hell knows if it's true or not. Right. But a lot of it was basically like the game was in really bad shape, like you know, and and they had to like pull the plug. But who knows? Who knows? Next. Stories number six, Activision and Bungie has announced Destiny the Collection, which will bundle pretty much all of Destiny's downloadable content into one $60 compilation. The collection contains the original game itself, as well as The Dark Below, House of Wolves, The Taken King, and Rise of Iron, which isn't out until September 20th. The collection comes out the same day Rise of Iron launches, which means you can either buy the DLC itself or the collection as a whole at the same time, or I guess piecemeal if you haven't really Mm -hmm. tried it yet. You played Destiny, right? Yes. And are you excited about this? Because we don't, I mean, we don't talk about it because we don't play it. So <laughs> it would be nice to get a little bit of something in here about it. The Rise of Iron, are you excited about this final thing before Destiny 2 presumably launches next fall? Right, right, right. Um, No, I mean, like, I, and I'm, I'm not not excited, but I'm not excited either. Like, I haven't really been paying too much attention. Like, Destiny is something that I reviewed and then reviewed one expansion and then kind of totally fell off that wagon and handed that to someone else to cover. Um, you know, Jose does, uh, Otero does the bulk of our... Uh, Destiny coverage and uh, you know Destin Legary also um, over at IGN does m- a lot of the video features and gameplay stuff and and like let's plays and whatnot. So you know I've kind of walked away from that franchise for the most part, um, not for any huge reason. I don't. I think it's totally fun and solid and inoffensive, but like I don't have any strong uh, feelings about the new content. For me, it's like. Um, they're doing the Diablo three thing almost. I feel. I feel like Destiny's in Diablo three mode, where the base of what came out was so flawed in terms of its structure, and and then they recognize that, and with through release, like DLC release and expansion release after release and patch and patch and patch, they they patch it to be as good as it can be based on what the foundation that it was built on, but it's still never going to be as good as it could have been, right? And I feel like that's going to be like. I'm more excited to see what 
with Destiny 2 and with a fresh slate, I'm interested to see what they throw out the window and what they rebuild because this is their opportunity to take everything they learned from all this time of, of original of OG like vanilla destiny and build that in from the beginning so that it was it's there as a structure rather than something that gets kind of tossed on top as a band-aid so um so that I'm excited to see I'm excited to see what lessons they've learned and if they um, make good on their promises uh, or if it ends up just being kind of the same thing as uh, Destiny is now with minor tweaks. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm more interested to see what what comes next than uh, than the last expansion. That's just me though. I have no valid input. Number seven. Nordic Games, the Austrian publisher that purchased a bunch of defunct THQ properties during the Dead Publishers bankruptcy fire sale in 2013, has announced that they will now be called THQ Nordic. Nordic paid some $5 million in 2013 for Darksiders, Red Faction, MX vs. ATV, Destroy All Humans, Summoner, and more. The company has 23 games in development right now, of which 13 are still secret and unannounced. Quote, needless to say, the majority of these projects are based on former THQ-owned IPs and franchises. End quote. This is according to a company statement. Um, I tweeted out kind of a snarky kind of thing about this. This has really, this doesn't seem like a very good idea. Not no. only no one knows what Nordic's capable of. Now, Nordic getting Darksiders is pretty significant. Everyone's like, well, THQ had some promising stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you could probably make make hay with Red Faction again if you wanted to. Or yeah. uh, maybe even Summoner, like something that's been d- dead for a while. Like, like, But the most valuable IPs seem to have gone elsewhere. Like South Park went to Ubisoft. Deep Silver got um, you, you know, Homefront and uh, Metro and all this other stuff. WWE went to the, 2K. Right, WWE went to 2K. Yep. Um, uh, Homeworld went to uh, Gearbox. I'm like, guys, like they, they bought like Destroy Humans. Now, now they they got for five million dollars, like for all that IP, not bad. Yeah, and a surprisingly fun couple of games they were back in the day. But um, you know, I don't think that they're going to be making you know billions of dollars with MX versus ATV. No, twenty three games in development. This is what I was joking about with Greg. That's probably more, actually, a pretty significant portion more than the first party games that Sony. Has I was just going to say the same thing. I'm like that. That's the like. I guess. I guess in some world, they'd want to get on a microphone and be like, "Guess what, everyone? We're not developing one or two or three or even twenty games, but we've got twenty three in development." And I guess they feel like that's. A good thing, but all I can think to myself is a, a new upstart publisher that's trying to shepherd twenty three games to store shelves. I'm like, that sounds like a disaster. I'm like, I want to hear that they're focusing. Like the last thing I want to hear for you know to the last thing that makes me feel like a publisher is healthy is that they're putting their finger in a million different pies and spreading their resources thin across a ton of games that I probably won't care about. Yes. Like, what makes me feel confident is if they go, you know what? We know what our audience cares about. We know what sells. We know what's successful. We know what had potential. It's these three IPs, and right now we're just going to focus on getting those three IPs to being like pillars of revenue for the company, and then we'll expand from there. That would be like a response. I mean, I'm no CEO. I'm no, I'm no, you know, I don't work that gig so maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm talking out my ass but i I feel like from the outside looking in telling me that as a new upstart publisher you're trying to manage 23 projects makes me go you're gonna be gone in two years yeah i I think (laughs) i think it's got bad news right all over it i mean i think that's obvious that said i love nordic and i love darksiders and the fact that there's a chance for a darksiders 3 to happen and that have and then it be in the hands of the team that made the first two makes me extraordinarily happy and i'm excited about that the, the two things that are interesting to note, note about nordic is number one they're austrian so i don't know 
this is important simply because I don't know <clears throat> what the country of, um, of Austria has in terms of tax benefits or investment, right. a la Canada, um, into and, game and developers Poland. or Poland, yep, yeah. which is why you know a lot of stuff's coming out of there, too, whether it's CD Projekt. Um, and then other Eastern European countries as well. Ukraine is another, um, with uh, 4A or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger question, I think, comes from Joe. Who wrote in and said, "Now that THQ has written, uh, I'm sorry, has risen from the ashes of bankruptcy and is ready to publish games under THQ Nordic." That's not exactly the case, by the way. THQ is gone. Nordic is a different company who right. actually, amongst those IP, also acquired the THQ name and for some reason is now putting it in their name. What games are you most interested in? It is reported that there are 23 games in development, of which 13 have been announced. I'm hoping for Destroy All Humans. You guys are the best and keep up the good work, <laughs> Joe. I think you're going to get a uh, 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 Destroy All Humans game. I'm uh, morbidly curious, uh, using that term a lot today, about Summoner. Summoner did get a sequel. Um, Summoner was a PS2 launch game that was probably the most promising in an underwhelming launch yeah. uh, catalog of games. be interested to see what they can do with that. Red Faction was always interesting to me, too. Sure. Um, that said, like, Darksiders is really the only IP that they have it's, that seemed to have that I could give a flying fuck about. Uh, and I'm not even really a Darksiders fan. I just think that that's probably the one with the most upside for them. So that's what I would say. I don't know if you have a different answer. No, I got the same answer. Dark Side and, and Red Faction are the are the are the two franchises that I think have the most potential. Although I do, like I said, I did love me some uh, some Destroy All Humans. This the first one in particular, um, just because it was like very mechanically driven. It uh, it had some very unique and interesting powers that you could use in in fun and creative ways. Um, and of course, it had going for it that whole uh, um, oh god, what what what's the name of I'm trying to think of it. Where you, okay, so I'm, what I was going to say is it's great. Some people love playing games, especially sandboxy games, where you can be the bad guy and kill uh, stuff. And it was funny to be this little alien dude going around just murdering and or abducting human beings. But there's a game like that that Colin Moriarty likes, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and I don't know if he's ever admitted his love. For Naughty Bear. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Everyone knows that I love. Naughty, <laughs> I love me some Naughty Bear. <laughs> to, to, to what a great you. game! What an underappreciated <laughs> five frames a second sort of game it was. <laughs> I reviewed so the second bro- one for so IGN. Broken. So broken. And I, I remember feeling like I was following in the footsteps of greatness. I really loved that. I loved the idea of that game. Yeah, the, the but pen, I loved it. I some, loved, it was so fucking funny. Some people love to play the <laughs> the the evil sadist killing the innocent people. That's what definitely what Destroy All Humans was to about. To be fair, Naughty Bear wasn't a, a invited to any of the parties in the in the social gatherings that the other bears were invited to, and so he was upset about that. And that's that, at least he had motivation. It sounds like you're projecting, Colin. That's true. <laughs> I'm gonna skulk around in the bushes and murder all you guys. <laughs> You can come to my parties. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Final uh, thing on the Roper Report is number eight. Uh, this is a wrap up. Uh, the Witcher 3's Game of the Year edition has been official release date and will come to PS4 and elsewhere on August 30th. Co-op game Nine Parchments is coming to PS4 in 2017. Gory Shooter Killing Floor 2 is coming to PS4 on November 18th. Yes. Agrarian Game Farming Simulator 17 comes to PS4 on October 25th. No Vita. Side-scrolling action game Lichtspear, or Lichtspear comes to PS4 and Vita in just a few weeks. Mysterious Adventure Game One Way Trip, which I think looks really cool, comes to PS4 on August 30th. The promised Vita iteration won't make that release date. I'm going to speak on that in a second. Side Scroller Arrive comes to PS4 on September 13th. Quirky Game Super Combo Man is coming to PS4 at an undetermined time. And this last one, a Zelda like game Oceanhorn, is coming to PS4 on September 17th. People should, huh. or, I'm sorry, September 7th. People should look into this. It looks pretty cool. Um, to, all right, so One Way Trip I played on Vita for the first time, I want to say like three years ago. Um, Sony used to come to the, to the IGN offices with a Vita loaded with a bunch of games for me to play, and I would capture footage of them because no one wanted to write about Vita, I guess, except for me. And uh, One Way Trip looks really cool. This is following, though, in a trend of Vita games just not being ready 
alongside their PS4 counterparts. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to proclaim this. I understand that Vita is not this like be all end all platform for a lot of publishers. Then don't fucking say you're going to put your game on them. Like, how about that? This happened with Salt and Sanctuary, Axiom Verge. It's happening with One Way Trip. I think it's happening with that game Hue. It's happening. It's happening with Darkest Dungeon. Darkest Dungeon. Like, it's yeah. like everything is late on Vita. And we want to play it on Vita, so just don't tell us you're going to bring it to Vita. Make it immediately clear that it's not a priority for you. We're still waiting for all these goddamn games that were supposed to be that were supposed to be coming to Vita. There's a lot of them. It's not like it's not like there's a few of them. It's like where is where is Banner Saga? You know, where, like where is it? Yeah. Where oh, is geez, Salt and Sanctuary? Why did Axiom Verge take a year to come to Vita? You know, like we are here. We're buying games, and I want to speak out for us because I feel like. And One Way Trip is just the most recent example. It's like, just stop. Stop it, then. Just say you're not going to bring... Just say that PS4 is your, your your money maker and you and you don't care about the Vita or it's not as important for you and that's fine. But don't like get everyone's hopes up because it's happening to me over and over again where I'm like, oh, I'll just play Darkest Dungeon on Vita. Oh, I'll just play Axiom Verge on Vita. I'll just play um, you know, blah, blah, blah on Vita. And it's like, well, it's not ready for Vita yet and we have no idea when the fuck it's going to be ready on Vita. So, sorry. you know. And I'm like, well, we... We're looking forward to this game, so I think it's just kind of shitty, and I wanted to point that out. Yeah, I agree. And like to be just really quickly, like it kind of falls in with the whole odious like silence that that we've been getting about the Vita in general, right? It's like it it's like it's really strange because it's like a big it's like a, I expect this from kind of smaller companies, right? But from a larger company, it's weird that Sony just has literally they haven't said anything about it. They've just quietly stopped showing anything about it at 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 the shows they present at, um, and yeah, like the same thing. Individual developers and publishers are just kind of like, yeah, I know we said a Vita version. Big big shrug, unless you ask, you know, several pointed questions about it. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Like I, I don't, I've never quite seen a piece of hardware die in this exact way like i've heard people i've heard i've seen it where they kind of try to spin it and make it sound like it's not dying i've heard them say well there'll be some limited support i've heard them say yeah unfortunately it hasn't worked out for us and we're gonna stop you know supporting it starting now um which they, i guess they've kind of said with the vita it's just in this weird state of the vita's in this weird state of undeath and i love the vita so and I, as i know you do too so it breaks my heart it deserves it. so much more than this like yeah it does i I, it's like it's like keeping a prisoner in a jail cell and starving it to death. Yeah. And then every four days you walk in and give it like two slices of bread. And you're like, you'll be all right. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, I guess I have the caloric. I can make it a few more days now. And then you just starve some more. And then it's like, yeah, here's like a little bit of like a, like a, a half-eaten pork bone. You know? <laughs> Go ahead and just like kind of gnaw on that for a little while. <laughs> it's like if you're just going to kill it, then just fucking kill it already. Just kill it already. Exactly. Stop doing this to me. You know? <laughs> Because what I'm really curious about is, like, there were games that were announced when I was still at IGN that, like, no one's heard of, heard from since. Um, and the Vita still has good support, but, like, there are Vita games coming out every week still, but I, I just feel like a lot of bigger games are, like, missing, missing, it's like, they're like, well, it'll still be cross-buy or cross, you know, whatever, save, and I'm like, well, the game doesn't fucking exist, so I don't really care <laughs> that it does you know, like, to me, I don't care if it's, like, almost done, you know, I always that's why I appreciate when people like do it right like Yacht Club for instance really Shovel Knight on the same day on PS4 and Vita they did that and I was like well that's big and I think they did it pretty respectably on Vita they did better on Vita than they did on PS3 maybe not a huge surprise but you know I I just wanted to speak out about that because I'm seeing this more and more and it's bothering me now it's like yeah you guys are just rushing your PS4 games out that makes sense from a commercial point of view but there are those of us that are excited about your games and I hate to tell you like your indie games are probably not going to sell very well on PS4 and you might have more hope if you actually catered to us you know um so 
that's just where I'm going to leave it, and we'll see what comes of it. Indeed. Uh, now we go into the drop. Uh, upcoming PlayStation games coming out. Here they are. I like to read if you if you never listen to the show, and I'm sure you haven't, Vince. I like to go to the I like to go to the. What pl- makes you think that? I like to go to the uh, the drop on PlayStation Blog and read verbatim what they say about the games. And sometimes they're sometimes they're well written, and sometimes they're just terrible. So we'll see what. Let's oh, better be careful who, you, who who who's writing you talking about. It's I, not Clemenses. These, <laughs> these, these come from these come from the, the these come from the publishers and developers. The Japanese ones are the best. Gonna hurt Ryan's feelings. There's a game called Adventure Capitalist, which I think is a, a great name for uh, pretty good a, a game. Pretty um, good. So PS4 Digital says, start with a humble lemonade stand and squeeze your way to total fiscal domination. Squeeze. Earn ridiculous sums of cash, diversify your investments, and attract smar- swar- uh, smarmy angel investors to give your business a boost. And the best part is, Adventure Capitalist can even play itself. Start your rags to riches adventure today. All right, Battleship. I'm excited about this one because uh, Aaron and I are huge Battleship fans. And uh, I'm excited to see how this is going to be playable. My assumption is this is going to be played on a phone, similar to like some of those Jackbox party games or whatever, like where you like it transmits to your phone. Because I don't understand how else you'd play it, but I don't know that for sure. Battleship comes to PS4 Digital with a modern, dynamic, and interactive 3D board. Battleship brings the classic franchise to a new level for a memorable experience. Deploy your fleet and shoot at your opponent's grid to find and destroy enemy ships before yours are sunk. Enjoy the game you know and love with the classic mode or get more tactical and a brand new way to play with Clash at Sea mode. Bound, which is a PlayStation 4 exclusive, comes to PS4 Digital. Repair a broken world through the beauty of dance. Developed exclusively for PS4, Bound combines a unique visual style with a powerful story and gameplay mechanics infused with modern dance. As the game progresses, the introspective story unfolds through powerful metaphor and imagery, adding emotional depth to the protagonist's journey. This game comes from Plastic, which is a Polish demo scene studio. These are the guys that did Linger in Shadows and then Datora on PS3. Mm -hmm. So they don't really make games. I started playing this, and this seems to be more gamey. I played it for about a half an hour, and I was like, I just can't right now. I can't do this. You guys are just dancing around. I'm like, it's, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fine. I'll give it another shot, but I can't. I can't right now. <laughs> Every once in a while, like, I, 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 I love this man to death, but it's so funny. He's one of the most he's one of the most intelligent people I know. Every once in a while, he might, finds a way to word something or, or or talk about something in a way that makes him sound like he's the most dismissive jerk. <laughs> But he's totally not. He's really not. But like, like when you talked about that game just now, you're like, these dumb people with you dancing and you and you're moving around like a little, like a cute little petunia. And, uh, and was, yeah, where's the, where's the meatballs? Yeah. Where's, where's the guns? I just, I just can't. I just, I was like, I just, not comp. I just can't. I've been playing a lot of Mega Man Legacy Collection again, like the challenges, oh, yes. like the deep challenges, yes. though. Um, and uh, just having a lot of fun with that instead. So Bound, I was just like, it was just like a weird. It's the literal like opposite. Weird, it was yeah. a little jarring. It's, no, it's a total like no. But, but you, I want to go back to it, uh, <laughs> because I think it's probably gonna be good. I always found Plastic to be interesting. Like that Torah was a letdown for me. Uh-huh. Um, but that Torah was also the PS3 game. I'll never forget this as long as I live. This was like a that Torah was a. Um, a very early like pre PSVR like they were exp- I don't know if you remember they were experimenting with that game like at demos where yep, they I would like it. they basically had like PlayStation moves duct taped yep. to some like janky PS like, or some VR unit and yep. like it, they were like doing weird shit with it so I remember at GDC a couple times yeah yeah so I was like so they're they're trying <laughs> Devil <laughs> Doodle Devil comes to PS4 digitally says embrace your dark side while doodle god was creating the universe doodle devil was also having some fun the same addictive puzzle gameplay that made doodle god a hit is back with an evil twist (laughs) so they're trying where's the meatballs dungeon punks where the guns 
Dungeon Punks comes to Vita Digital, cross by with PS4 version, which I guess is already out or will be coming out. Dungeon Punks is a fast-paced action RPG with a unique tag team fighting system. Recruit six mutant heroes from werewolf spe- spellcasters to lizard man warriors and battle in 12 stunning arenas with epic boss battles. F1 2016 comes to PS4 Digital and Retail. It's a, this is out the 19th, so this is a Friday release. It says, create your own legend in F1 2016. Get ready to go deeper into the world of the most prestigious motorsport than ever before. The, the I don't, That's a weird sentence. Work, your way, yeah. work with your agent, engineer, and team to develop your car in the deepest ever career experience, spanning up to 10 seasons. Grow Up comes to PS4 Digital. Bud, an adorable yet clumsy, stumbling, tumbling robot. Spaceship wreckage scattered across an entire planet of abundant alien flora and thrusting star plants. A distant moon with your spacecraft's beating heart yearning to be rescued. A fantastical acrobatic adventure in a world that's a challenge as challenging as it is beautiful. Welcome to Grow Up. Well, thank you. It's a bad write-up, too. The Huntsman Winner's Curse comes to PS4 Digital. This, I think this game will You're interested in this. Winter is fast approaching as Queen Freya's army marches relentlessly. Beneath the shadow of that deadly war, Elizabeth's life on, on her family's farm in Vardhelm comes to an abrupt end. Join her to find her missing brothers as you explore the Huntsman universe and encounter both familiar faces and new dangers, all while discovering the secret Elizabeth herself carries in this wintry adventure. Okay. The important, the important question on everyone's <clears throat> mind is, will there be aardvarks in Prob- aardvarnum? Pro- <laughs> yeah. Aardvarnum. Aardvarnum. Inversus comes to PS4 Digital. Inversus is a minimalist action strategy shooter for one to four friends. Player movement is constrained to opposite colors of a black and white grid. My walls are your paths, and your walls are my paths. Each shot flips tile colors in an attempt to block, trap, and close in on the enemy. Firing a bullet opens up a path for you while also closing off a path for me. Both online and local co- couch co-op are supported. Fight for high scores on an ever-changing board. Sounds pretty cool. Mm, yeah. And finally, Soulbrain Night of Darkness comes to PS4 Digital. The old gods have forgotten this land. No one could save our people when darkness began to spread and collect the souls of men for his army. Soulbrain Night of Darkness is a 3D exploration game. Players control Gaia, a young, wo- a young warrior tired of struggle that must wield his sword to rescue his people from the darkness and avenge the death of his parents against the powerful Anibal and his army of monsters. It's a little... Yeah. Pick of the week? What do you got? I don't know. Bound. Just because uh, something <laughs> happened in it. They're trying hard. You're the biggest jerk. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not even trying to be mean about it. It's a game that I really do want to go back to. I was looking forward to playing it, but I'm just like, I, I, I'm playing Mega Man Legacy Collection. I get the bound code. I download the game. And, there, and there's a guy just dancing around, dancing the, his life away. And I'm like, I can't. I just can't. I can't with, dance I can't, my life I away. I can't do this right this moment. Maybe this, I can do this again in the future, but I, right this moment, I can't dance. You know, I the, can't, dan- the dance is not your heart. There is not a song in your heart. And he's like, he's like doing a little pirouettes and stuff as he's running around. <laughs> I, he, dude, it was so fun. I was actually laughing because, like, I went to, like, grab a ladder in the game or whatever, and I just, like, pirouetted, like, down into a pit. <laughs> I'm like, I can't with this game right now. I just can't do it. A metaphor for your life, perhaps, Colin Moriarty? Uh, all right. Uh, we usually go over trophies at this point, any new trophies that were uploaded. There's nothing that interesting, um, and truth be told, Vince isn't in the trophy, so I don't want to waste too much time, but you guys can go... Look at Bound's trophies. It, ha- it does have a platinum trophy. Um, grow Up's trophies are out. 14 bronzes and a silver, but no platinum. The one interesting thing I thought here was Metrico. Uh, Metrico was a Vita game that came out in 2013 or 2000. I think it was actually 2014. Metrico Plus is a port to PS4, and it's kind of like a reworked version of the game. So, it, it, I mean, Metrico was the, the game that relied on Vita's 
fucking random functionality more than any other game yeah. except for maybe Golden Abyss. So there were parts of the game where you had to you had to point the camera at like something red, or there was a thing where you had to like you know use the back touchpad and the front touchpad and the gyro all that kind of stuff. So this is a totally reworked game for DualShock. Uh, unlike the Metrical game on Vita, this does have a platinum trophy. Um, so there's something interesting there. I've been talking to those guys, and it should get a build soon, so we'll have some updated information on that. Because Metrico didn't quite pan out the way I hoped it would on Vita, no, it t- but it was a very interesting idea. They tried to do some very interesting things with Metrico. I previewed it once, well, you know, and yeah, I mean, like, I'd like to see. That's one of those things where, on paper, you're like, yeah, this seems like a really good idea, and these features are all going to be really innovative and really fun. And then in terms of practice, they kind of ended up being maybe a little bit clunky or hard to wrap your brain around. So I'm wondering, I'm hoping it's not just a port, but a chance for the developers to kind of take a good look at what like what what was essential about that vision and what wasn't and just stick with what worked and and double down on it and maybe just um, less of what didn't. But we'll, we'll see what see. happens. Yep. I'll have more on that soon. They're trying. Um, by the way, a game that we'll have more information on soon, <clears throat> as I said earlier in the episode, we recorded next week's PS I Love You XOXO already on the new set. The reason we did that is because we're rolling all that on a Monday, and so we need to have that new look ready gotcha, for everything. Gotcha. So it's kind of going to be an evergreen episode about PlayStation 4, as I had alluded to earlier. But we do have Deus Ex, um, the new Deus Ex, and so in two weeks we'll have more information on that. And my assumption is we'll actually talk about that on the Gamescast first. So if you guys are curious about that, that's kind of the next big gun we'll be talking yep. about. Uh, let's get into some reader questions or some listener questions, I should say, since this is, you don't read a podcast. Um, and then we'll wrap things up with the usual segments and mosey on out. Here's the first one. This is from Travis Smith. It says, my wife and I were camping in Redmond this past week. And being as it was only a few minutes away, I convinced her to swing by the Sony Bend studio so I could see where they work out of. I drove by the address several times looking for a monument sign or any sort of building signage. Though what I saw was somewhat anticlimactic, a small Sony logo on a placard on the building of a two-story insurance agency building. Though I did not have the balls to go inside the building, I'm not sure if I would have been welcome, or possibly I could have walked out with a wicked sweet insurance rate with a complimentary copy of Golden Abyss. (laughs) My question, would I be in a similar situation if I were to visit Sony Santa Monica, Sony San Diego, or any other AAA devs out there? Or do you think these devs prefer a quiet, less public place to work, seeing as the gaming industry has a hush-hush nature? Thanks for doing what you guys do, Travis Smith. Um, what you saw was intentional. They don't do signage because they don't want you to know they're there. Now, Bend isn't the biggest studio in the world, but yeah, would you? So, Naughty Dog um, is in a massive complex um, in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a ton of space, but you would have no idea they were there. Uh, and that's intentional. Do you really want? Do you really think that Naughty Dog wants people to go to their office? Sure. You know, like there, there's not signage anywhere. That I don't know of a single developer actually, with just a couple of exceptions. That really proclaims that it's there. Publishers are different, but not the not the developers. So Sony's headquarters um, down in the valley, right, um, is ridiculously PlayStation esque. Yeah. You know it's there. Yep. But you wouldn't know Naughty Dog was there. Same with Santa Monica. Same with San Diego. Sony San Diego is very nondescript. It's over. It's a, in a, a bunch of different buildings actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you experienced, and I think Vince can reiterate, is uh, status uh, is status quo. Here's my thing. Um, it's not you say you didn't have the balls to go inside the building. I'm going to give you guys a tip. Don't even try. Yeah, don't even attempt it. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Uh, they don't want you there. It's not. It's not an insult. They like don't. Don't. You don't belong there. You have no business there. If you don't have a meeting there or don't work at one of these devs, it's probably smart to just not go there. That's that, that's just my my tip. They don't want you there. Like, yeah, and that's why there's no signage, and that's why they don't draw attention to themselves. So that's just me being honest with you. Totally. Like you said, with with some small exceptions. But, yep. Uh, like an interesting one is like Volition in uh, Champaign, Illinois. Uh, Champagne, they don't yeah. Champagne. I mean, they don't go out of their way to be like you know like blah, but like there's a big 
volition, like big hanging sign there on the corner, like one of the main intersections downtown in Champaign. And the city's kind of built itself up around them. And they're kind of like, they're almost rock stars. Like when I went to visit them for, uh, for Agents of Mayhem, uh, IGN first that we did, uh, when I checked into the hotel, the receptionist could see that I was with that I was there, you know, with Volition to to see Volition, and she was like, "Oh, do you work for Volition?" She was very very excited about the fact that I was going to see something that Volition was working on. Um, so it's like one of the few exceptions uh, where like the the developer is kind of like the hometown hero uh, where, where where they are. But yeah, for the most part, there could be a developer right in your backyard in your town, and you never know. Yeah, just re- I would say respect the boundaries. Yeah, do they're not a storefront. Nope. Uh, Woot Da Heliot says, "Hey, Colin and Greg. Well, Greg's not here, so you're gonna have to deal with Vince." He says, "I noticed that while looking at the trophy list for Uncharted 4, I saw that only 47% of players had beaten the game on Explorer, which accounts for anyone who beat the game on a higher difficulty too, since you get the Explorer trophy as well. So, for people that don't know, Explorer is like the easiest. Like, you don't even have to play the game difficulty. I know that it's a common thing for people not to finish a game, but that makes sense for games like Fallout 4, where it's so big you'd imagine people just got bored." I can't understand, though, how more than half the players of Uncharted 4 lost interest in beating it. And it's not just Uncharted 4. It's almost the same for every game, regardless of length or content. I'm curious to hear why you guys think this is. Uh, what do you think? Um, so what he's saying, 47% of people that played Uncharted 4 beat it. So right. it's less than half. Yep. Um, as, far as, I'm cons- as far as I know, I don't have the metrics in front of me. That is not a, a terribly rare or uncommon uh, thing. As far as like why people don't finish uh, finish games, there's a wide variety of reasons. I mean, like I think one of them has to do with the fact that, and then one of the reasons why I think for avid gamers those uh, statistics are so surprising is because there's a wider berth of different kinds of people playing games now. Um, the average age of the gamer is higher than it's ever been, right? So when you're talking about the average age of the gamer starting to run up into the 30s, you're starting to talk about people who have kids and mortgages and you know wives or very serious girlfriends. Um, and significant others, you know. So it's like, um, I think a lot of it has to do with that people get embroiled into a game. They care about it. They, you know, they want to play it more. But you know, the realities of of there are more gamers for whom the realities of and responsibilities of life are interfering with their game time than there ever have been. Like we're kind of like the first generation of gamers to carry video games into adulthood with us. So that clash of like, you know, wanting to ply our hobby. And live our lives and be good fathers, be good boyfriends, be good, you know, is all, um, you know, and good girlfriends and, you know, and and mothers and all that stuff. You know, like that, that's just a bigger call, I think, on all of us. So I think everyone just we 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 also, by comparison, play a, a lower percentage of the games that come out every year, both because like a they come out, there's more of them that come out and B because we don't have as much discretionary. You know, when you're when you're younger and you don't have to pay rent, you know, you'd be surprised how easy it is to come up to scrape some cash together and buy a game. Like, you're you're poor, sure. You're a poor student or you're a poor recent grad. But, you know, if you're living at home with mom still or, you know, whatever, you can find that money. When you've got all kinds of bills to pay, all of a sudden you buy two games a year. And, you know, so I think it all is part of the same trend of, like, having a broader audience and having an older audience means having an audience that just doesn't have as much time to stay at home and finish a game Uh, i don't think it's any other factor because games haven't gotten longer they've gotten shorter um 
you know, in the well, they've gotten longer. If you compare them to like the eight bit and sixteen bit era, they've gotten longer, right? Of course. But if you look at say like the moment when video games started becoming more mainstream, which I, I always look at like ninety five, ninety six, like you know, the PS one era. PS one brought in a huge influx of new players. In that era, you know, games were kind of I feel like a little bit longer than they are now. Now I think it's like not too uncommon for you to see a single player campaign that's only three or four hours long, or a good indie game that has a lot of heat behind it that's only a, a couple of hours like maybe two hours or less. Uh, long, so it's like even though we're seeing shorter and shorter games, that doesn't change the fact that if you know if you don't have the time and you don't have the money, then it doesn't matter how short or accessible the games are. So I think it has more to do with uh, with life factors and changes in the demographic than it has to do with any trends in game dev. I don't think. Yeah, I think I mean I'm, I too am not too surprised by the forty seven percent factor on on the trophies for beating the game. What I'm always interested in and what I think is much more telling and some and for something i don't know like what what necessarily it's telling us is i always like to look at trophies that you can't avoid um specifically the first trophy in a game you would get so like beating the first chapter of a game or like meeting the character it's basically like moving the stick and like it's like 96.2 percent of people got this game i'm like so someone start so four out of every 100 people that started this game didn't even do that right like didn't even actually play at all they just started the game and then they just shut it off yeah that's like way more interesting than me. Trophies are telling us a lot of interesting shit, um, and I'm sure the heat mapping that we're getting, that developers are getting from those, as well as just the stuff they do internally, since the games are always connected, um, is uh, certainly quite interesting for them as well. Sure, and I think like honestly, if you look at that, that percentage of people would also be included in the people who never finished the game, right? And that just speaks to what I, to I think more also to what I'm saying is that like if a person booted a game, if a person spent sixty dollars on a game, booted it up, and didn't play to that first guaranteed trophy. It's not because the game was horrible. They didn't play the game enough to have an opinion about it. It's because life took to me. It's because life took them away from it. You know, and they just yep. never got around, and they just never got around to going back to it. Agreed. Yeah. Jack Francis asks the following: he "says Hi, Colin and Greg Vince. I enjoyed your discussion last week about No Man's Sky and completely agree that expectations were ridiculously high. Too many people thought this game would be the end all be all of gaming, and whilst I think it is a very good game, I don't think that it is life altering." On the top of the expectations, I personally am hugely excited for the release of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I think, like you, Colin, that if they get it right, it could be a huge IP for Sony and Gorilla going forward. To, to, to reiterate what he's basically saying, I said that this can be they, their next big thing for Sony if it's done right. Mm-hmm. Question, do you think I should temper my reputation my re, my reputation slightly? I think he means his expectations. expectations. So as to not be disappointed. Or do you think that uh, my very high expectations are acceptable and that I should be confident that Horizon is the game we all hope it will be? Thanks, Jack Francis. Well, I will say I played Horizon pretty deeply um and it's awesome now whether or not that translates to everything i also played vertical slices i knew the order was going to be bad but i played vertical slices did of the you order. Though, colin did you yes in fact i was the only one that walked out you were there with me weren't you the one that was there with me okay when we first saw it okay so, so yeah. the, oh you're the one who can vindicate me on all this because i was the one who all right hold on let me let me tell the story yeah, yeah. let me tell the story of the order real quick okay. okay we went to the first presentation the first theater presentation at uh at an event down in santa monica okay and we saw what was essentially like a short demo and like I think it was mostly just a, a cut scene and a very short demo, right? Mm-hmm. And we were both like, mm, I don't know about this. Okay, so I'll vindicate you there. What I will say is that um, at an event, was it, was, it, was it PSX? No, it wasn't PSX. It was at a different event, another event that you and I went to together um, where we got to play it further along. Along with a bunch of other games, um, I think it was PSX. 
2014. No, I think it was another showcase in Santa Monica. Oh, okay. I think it might have been the following. Might have been like the same. Might have been the same event the year after. Um, and we went to that, and we played it, and I was like, mm-mm. and you were like, actually, Vince, I think they're onto something, and I was like. I don't know about it, about that. Do you remember that? The yeah, second I do. Time we played I thought you were going to talk about because there was two times that we played it. Yeah, where yeah. I was like, the first time you were definitely like, nope. Well, the first few times I saw it, I was like, definitely not. Yeah, the game right. was running like trash. Yeah, and yeah. the one thing that made me that made me made me mad was everyone was attacking me about that, and everyone was writing these glowing pieces. And I'm like, did you? Did we like the same fucking game? Like, what are you guys talking about? You know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> when we saw it, it's true. We saw it at the showcase, and we saw it at PSX. I remember playing the airship level at PSX. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, it was right. PSX, like right, right after we quit, it was PSX. Right. And. Yeah. I was like, this is cool, you know? Yeah. And then I had these flashbacks to Knack and how cleverly they actually kept previewing Knack over and over again. I was like, I, I had, I remember when Knack came out and it was getting bad reviews. I'm like, really? Like, I, I, I had, there was no indication for me that Knack was going to be bad at all. Yeah. And with the order, I had different inclinations where I was like, this game is going to be bad. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, you like saw- there's something here. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, and then I realized that that was the best part of the game. So, right. <laughs> um, and it was. I remember that airship level was actually really cool. So, uh, with that Horizon, that's why I'm guarded with Horizon uh-huh. in that sense because the order kind of tricked me. Knack certainly did trick me. We've been tricked many times. That's why I hate preview. I hate preview games. It's like the worst thing in the world. <clears throat> I just don't want to do it. I played Horizon. I think it's got clear promise. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I, I don't I don't necessarily know that that's going to be true, but should you temper your expectations? I think you should always temper your expectations with games. I was gonna say no Man's Sky has absolutely been victimized by its expectations. And as I said on Twitter and I was talking to Vince about it earlier, everyone's culpable. Not so much me, because I never had expectations about it, but I'm saying everyone in terms of every group of people. So the publisher and the developer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Overpromising, overhyping, showing it way too much, showing it for too long. Media eating, gobbling this game up for years for some reason, and then even enthusiasts and gamers uh, have some culpability in it as well. So when you have a perfect storm, a maelstrom of like shit like that, there no one's no no one's expectations are going to be reached. I know you like No Man's Sky. Yeah, well, I, like I don't it, remember I like more game, than the average person does. I'd say I don't remember a game that's divisive in a long time. At least a AAA game that's this polar. Yeah. Um. In terms of the way people are are, it, it doesn't seem like anyone's in the middle. Like I, I don't I don't see what I'm like. Eh, I'm seeing a lot of like this isn't for me. This game sucks or it's boring. And right. I'm seeing a lot of like wow, this game's really got its hooks into me. I can play this game for a thousand hours. So <clears throat> for me, I played it for about three hours and I really did hit a point where I'm like I can't do this. Like I I, I was like mm, I would like to give this game more time. Maybe I will. But I'm like I don't really know. I'm doing this just to make a point now that I'm playing the game. Right. Just so I can say I played it for six hours, and then maybe you'll believe me more. But really, you know, I'm having these this come-to-Jesus moment more and more in my life where if a game's not pulling me in, I gave No Man's Sky even more time than I probably should have. No, Because half an hour, I'm like, this is kind of boring like for me. Like, I don't want to do this. Hyper Light Drifter, which I was actually really excited about, I started playing that the other day, and I played it for 15 minutes, and I'm like, I'm out. Like, I, I just... I don't have time for this. Like, there's other games for me to play that I want to play that I want to spend time with. I'm playing this game to prove a point. You know, if I played this game to fruition, I'm doing it just so people tell me don't don't bust my balls. Sure. And really, it's like eh, I'm not gonna live my life like that. So, so I've moved on from both of those games. And what's funny is that I played. I got codes for Brutal, um, No Man's Sky, and uh, Hyper Light Drifter in similar times. And I played Brutal first because I was like, Brutal is gonna be the game that's gonna be the worst of the bunch, and I don't want to. 
I'll get it out of the way. And actually, Brutal ended up being, in my mind, better than both of those other games. And I so like, I like Brutal. Me too. Yeah. It's very straightforward. You, like it brutal. is what it is. You see it, and it is what it is. But I like it. Like I, I'm like, this game's fun. It's it. I like. I enjoyed this game very much. And then, but I started at first because I was like, well, I, it looks cool, but I'm probably gonna like it the least. And out of that three, those three games, it drew me in the most. I played that game for twice, you know, for twice as long as both of those other games combined. So, um, just thought that was ironic. Anyway. Yeah, it's a funny thing where, where I where I do feel like I feel mixed feelings a little bit about, um, you know, what you're saying about No Man's Sky in terms of the expectations. Because like sometimes I think about the expectations and I, and I go. Where do these expectations really come from? Like, I look at... So, from the publisher side, I mean, I can't remember a time when anyone from Sony or when Sean Murray himself stood up on stage and said anything about the game that was hyperbolic or untrue. Like, they said it was going to be this huge, procedurally generated, you know, universe filled with tons of planets to explore. And they did it. They did deliver on that. They did. They never said like, like like I don't feel like like what I what I what I want to avoid is, and maybe it's because like I've met the guy a few times and I and I, I know at least that my read on him is that he's a good honest and passionate dude, but like I don't think Sean Murray is like you know the second coming of Peter Molyneux that people that a lot of gamers are trying to like paint him as as this like liar like a charlatan or something right as yeah. a charlatan who like who like who who promised big 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 things and then his you know game didn't have one third of the things that he promised like like sean murray never got up on a microphone and said i'm gonna make the best space flight game that's ever been made and then and said it's gonna have this feature and 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 then the game had none of those like that, that didn't that did not happen you know so when people talk about the hype train being out of control this is one of those things I'm like, where – so then what does a publisher do to control expectations? Like how do they put forward what they think is cool about their game and then also not be guilty of overhyping, right? And I think the answer is hidden in what you said though, um, is that you said showing it for so long. I think that's where you get into into big problems because it's a combination of two things. It's you have this long amount of time from when the game is announced to when it comes out for people to speculate for the for the anticipation to percolate and reach a fevered pitch, but also this is going to sound the most random thing that I, no one has probably said about No Man's Sky. But the problem was also that first unveiling of the game was one of the sickest trailers I have ever one of the sickest debut trailers I have ever seen. Like that that debut trailer, I, I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't know what the game was about, but that it was so beautiful and well done that I was like overwhelmed by it right so it's like eventually that wears off and you know you go back to reality and go what is this game actually but for a lot of fans you get something like that spectacular and then you get years to think about what it's going to be and it's almost invariably going to morph into something in their brain that it's never that it was never going to be right so it's like even if you didn't say something dishonest even if you didn't play the hype game quote-unquote I still think that you have to be culpable in some way for how your audience is going to start riffing on taking the kernels of truth you've put out there about your game and then filling in the spaces in between with what they want if they have too much time to think about it. Yeah, I think that the attack, I mean, to your point, I don't think anything explicit was said. I could be wrong. Some people are circulating videos and articles about how they said this, this, this. this. I don't know. I don't know. The thing that I'm saying is it was implied. And it was implied through attention. Not only time, but attention. 
games are in development sometimes for five, six, seven years, but mm-hmm. they don't get attention. <clears throat> and No Man's Sky got its fair share of attention and then some. And I think that the implication by giving it that much attention was that it was going to be a game changer for them. And I think it was a huge mistake. I think Sony mistreated this game. I don't know that, that the culpability is on Hello Games as much as it's on Sony as the publisher um, to be like, we shouldn't have done this for this long with this game. They, they did it at great. The services team is very small. Uh, the game is very algorithmic. Um, we are, you know, as I said before, someone described it somewhere as, and, and it's a thing that you've heard before, but it's it's a mile long and an inch th- an inch deep, and that's the way the entire game felt to me. I'm like, this is just, it's just, it's it's math. It there's no like to me, I'm like, the, the, and that's the thing that kept resonating with me. I'm like, none of this means anything because it doesn't actually exist. It's a, a computer actually just made this. No one's gonna find this fucking planet, you know. When there's 18 quintillion planets, or whatever, it's like, well. And someone said that in a review. I was talking to Greg about how I was very, I'm very rarely curious what anyone else has to say about a game outside of my friends and outside of a few publications, right? Uh-huh. And I was pouring over these reviews and reviews in progress on New Man's Sky because I wanted to see what people felt about it. I was like, what? I don't know how I feel about it. Like, what? How do these other people feel about it? And I just kept reading things where I'm like, yes, yes. Like, it almost helped me inform myself about, like, to sure. make sense of my own feelings. That one thing about the mile wide and the inch deep. Another one about, like, does this mean anything if no one else is there to see it? And another thing about, like, the game's lonely, right? Mm-hmm. And the game's made even lonelier by the fake ships flying in the atmosphere and all this kind of stuff, like, as opposed to just really being alone. Like, it has this false veneer of... Of, uh, of it being a of world. community in some way. But, but the universe is expansive, and you're going to the center of the universe, and so it it's, 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 should be unwieldy. You shouldn't run in anyone, so does that make sense? And it became a very confusing hodgepodge for me, like this potpourri of, like, bullshit, where I'm like, I don't, I don't quite... I just know that I have a problem with this game. And 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 that's and it has really nothing to do with the hype. I'm speaking more of the hype from the outside of watching people when I was at IGN in 2013 when that game was revealed and everyone's like a game of the show and all this stuff. I'm like, why? You know, like why is this game of the show? There's a million other things like that we actually that are actually predictable. Why and there's the hype, it just for three years just like you said, percolating. And to me it, it marinated too much. It was in, it was in its own juices for way too long and and um, that's not their fault necessarily, uh, but I think No Man's Sky is a cautionary tale about maybe it won't be a cautionary tale financially. Maybe Hello Game, Hello Game, certainly gonna be fine. The game was probably gonna come to Xbox One at some point. The but it's a cautionary tale about it's the antithesis of that Fallout Four mantra of like show and release, show and release. Right. That's why I still and I've been saying this and I know that my window's running deep, but my 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 left field kind of prediction for this year for a little while was like they're still gonna show Red Dead and they're still gonna release it this year. Like, like that's what, uh-huh. like, because why, why do they need a year? Yeah, they don't. Like, they don't. It doesn't do anything for them. Like, it didn't do any. Like, Fallout Four would not have benefited one iota nope. from being shown a year ahead of time instead of three months ahead of time. Not one. Not one iota. To have you got to have your preview cycles and your trailer leaks and your your bull shots have to come out. And all that. And I'm like, mm. so I think it's a it's just a cautionary tale. If the game was really great. I still think, and, and some people, you think it is, and some people think it is, but if it was ubiquitously great, let's say it was like The right. Last of Us. No one thinks The Last of Us is a bad game. If The Last of Us, like, you have to be, I really do, I think you have to be a crazy person and not understand why The Last of Us <laughs> is a good game, right? Right. It's just one of those games. It's like I Super agree. Mario Brothers. It's like, of course it's a good game. Even if it was that good, if it still just existed in the ether for three or four years, it would have never met everyone's expectations. People still would have shit on it. And that's why I think it's going to happen with The Last Guardian, as everyone predicted. is like The Last Guardian is probably going to score two points lower than it would have if it wasn't The Last Guardian. I really do believe that. Yeah. Like uh, People that put scores on the games, maybe not consciously, but 
the last guardian might have been an eight or a seven, and I bet you it's gonna be a five or a six. Sure, and I, I think I think something else that I want to add real quick before we move on from it um, sure. about No Man's Sky is that I want to tell you why I think the press got so excited about it because honestly, in, in this case, I would say the press includes me. Like I, before, and I was there at the time too, so I'm 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 culpable as well. Yeah, I mean, like I uh, I, you know, I saw that those first trailers, and I I lost my mind, and then I was one of the you know, for a long time, I was I had there was a t- period of time on where I was the person on Earth who had played No Man's Sky more than anyone else outside of Hello Games. I got this big two hour chunk of time to play the game um, for IGN first, which was more than anyone had been left alone with the game for. And uh, and I came I wrote a, I, what I would say is a pretty I mean, I wasn't like a glowing like buy this game. It's the best thing ever. But it was a, it was definitely a positive preview that I wrote coming out of that two hour uh, hands on, so I think to some degree, I, I you know I want to speak about why I think the press got excited about it. Something that you know you've seen this happen over and over again over the years is that when new hardware comes out, um, the first thing that everyone rushes to see is something that's visually spectacular. But the thing that like I feel like people, especially who work in this industry, are a little more jaded and they get tired of just seeing prettier graphics and a prettier picture being the only thing that comes out of new hardware, especially a lot of us in the press, I feel, say, what does all that power do for design? What does that power do for gameplay? What what kind of experiences can I have because of that power that I couldn't have before? Not how much prettier can the same experience look. How many, what kind of a new experience can I have? So when someone got up on stage and said, with this power of this system, we can build and run an algorithm that will build a theoretically infinite number of universes without us having to do a damn thing. Instantly, a bunch of people in the press went, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting to hear those that very specific particular grouping of words that technology was going to allow me to have a kind of experience that was new and that I had dreamed of. And that was to explore an infinite, seamless galaxy. And that the power of this system would make it possible. It, it never happens. Like, the, we're always told about the power of new systems making something, you know, look cooler or look nicer. But those of us in the press are just, we're tired of that. We want to hear that it's going to allow us to do something we've never done before and explore an, an infinite-sized universe that's all unified in one, one place that we all explore together, even if we don't see each other was a kind of a golden promise that was unlike anything else that any of any of us had ever heard and I feel like there was a lot of us in the press who just thought that on that note alone it was worth covering the game and giving it some hope you know what I mean because how many times do you in a generation do you hear though that phrase or that idea that like that our technology is going to allow us to try something new not just try something prettier I mean it's like it's what everyone hopes for and we never get it, you know, for two generations now, since the 360 and PS3 came out, like we've all been saying that, right? We've been saying, yeah, games keep getting prettier, but I don't get to do anything any more interesting or unique from what I did last generation. I'm playing the same games with a nicer skin. You can say a lot of bad things about No Man's Sky. It certainly deserves a lot of the criticism that it's getting. Um, and, I can, and I say that as a person who's enjoying playing it. But one thing you can't say about it is that it's like game X with a shinier skin on it. That's It's one of the few games that you can't say that about. And I think that's, if nothing else, where a lot of the fascination with it came from. 
I think you're right in the sense that um, uh, on the last games cast that people might have listened to, uh, if there's crossover between these podcasts, and I think there is, <clears throat> one of the things I was basically saying was that No Man's Sky seems to deserve the benefit of the doubt, if not a little bit of time to just let it, let it kind of exist and let it just feel like, because it is new. It's, it almost reminds me of an MMO in the sense that you can't experience it all at once and you can't experience it all in a few days or in a week. You really got to like sit with it and it's about the long tail of the game. I don't think there's any shame in doing what I've done, which is basically say this isn't going to get any different for me. Nope. But at the same time, I do understand why people are upset about the lack of skepticism about the game because I've uh, and I'm not trying to like beat my own you know beat my own drum or to my own horn here, but it's like when you say things like that, not you, but when like things are said mm-hmm. about this game, we can make this infinite universe and it's all algorithmic and it's good. And I'm like bullshit. So there's something I'm like there's something up about it. Could could the number crunching capabilities of the PS4 compared to the PS3 or the PS2 do this? Yes. Did you do it? Yes. Are there like 18 types of planets? You know, or apparently, or like 25 types of planets, and just weird looking animals, and you clip through them, and and you just get shit and sell it, and and like like I'm like yeah, so you did it, but there's but where's the 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 depth? You know, like sure, is it? And that and that was one of the things that someone had. Um, God, it was Jim Sterling, I think, who said it, which I, I loved, and he said something along the lines of. We are mistaking scope for character. Like we're escaping, we're, we're we're basically saying the scope of the game somehow speaks to the character in a positive way of the game. And I'm like, you're right, and it's not true. That's why I always said about, and I, I don't know I've said this, and I know people are mad about well, Witcher Three, where I'm like, Witcher Three is too dense. It doesn't matter how much shit's in there; it's too much. It doesn't make the game better, you know. Like it makes the game for me way worse than a game like Fallout, where it's like. It, there's there it, it's a big world with less to do in it because it just seems more manageable, and so we haven't found and that's just my opinion. I know or maybe even more believable. Sure. Um, now I'm not saying Witcher Three is a beautiful world, beautifully written, really a kind of a, a game that is you know really a, to beat in terms of Western role playing games. I'm not shitting sure. at it at all. What I'm saying is we are conflating different things as gamers and as enthusiasts and as press and even as publishers and developers. Where I'm like, Journey's ninety minutes is still way more valuable than 50-hour role-playing games that I loved. Sure. You know? And I'll never touch that game again as long as I live. I played it once, and I will never touch it again. Because it was that 90-minute experience that was so resonant. It was one of the great games of all time. And if we just judged it based on bo- check boxes on the back of a uh, back of a box on retail, mm-hmm. it's 90 minutes long, that's it? Multiplayer, you don't even know who the fuck you're playing with? There's no gameplay? That's it? <laughs> the game has no character. But No Man's Sky has this 18 quintillion planets. Certainly it has high character. You know? And I'm like, well, that's a good point, Jim, isn't it? You know, like, this game shows, I think, in some ways what's wrong. In terms of, like, you're right. We have, And I've said this before about people's obsession with power, right? With, with processing power and computing power. Where I'm like, name a game that a PS2 couldn't have done. You know? And people are like, well, this is an example, right? Sure. But people will always point that they're like, well, Resogun. And I'm like, bullshit. The, the idea was like Resogun's voxels couldn't run anything else, but Resogun runs on Vita. It's just toned down, right? It has trouble, but yeah. Sure. And on PS3 it runs, right? Like yeah. they just, it's just toned down. And people point at Shadows of Mortar and are like, oh, the Nemesis system. And I'm like, come on, guys. You're, like, you're not showing me. And so to your point, you're right. No Man's Sky might really be the first example of something that cannot be done in my mind on PS2. Sure. Just with a, a more graphically simple way, you know, or a more 
in a less robust way. And that, so I agree with you. We are waiting for the next big thing. And what I'm wondering is if similar to books or movies, this is it. You know, like you have your shooters and you have your action platformers and your adventure games and your role playing games. And that's it. Just like you have your thrillers and just like you have your techno thrillers and your mystery novels and just like you had like forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's how people like iterate in those things that matters most. There Are there new movie genres? Like, no. But everyone's like, well, comic book movies. And I'm like, well, they're action movies. Right, right. Exactly. You know, or like are there new like House of Leaves is a great book and it's written in a very unique way. But it's, it's a it's a thriller. It's a horror book, you know, like. And so I'm wondering if we also almost expect too much as well. Well, sure. That's that's a great question to ask. I guess my, my answer to that would be, um, you know, yeah, I think we've run out of structures to explore in film, you know, different structures and 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 uh, and tones and whatnot. But at the same time, film has been around for quite a bit longer than yeah, games over a hundred years. Right. So I, I think um, you're right. We're gonna have to ask that question eventually. Is this it? Or do we have the structures and genres and 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 base you know kind of Campbellian formulas that we're gonna have? And now it's just you know what uh, what values we plug into those variables, right? And what it comes out with, and and to what level of production and skill uh, its creators can bring to it. You know, at some point we'll have to ask that question. Like I think we're at the end, but I think it's too early in our medium's life to start saying that. And if the takeaway, and I said something like this on Twitter that got me in a little bit of trouble with, with a lot of Pokemon Go fans when I was saying that how I feel like Pokemon Go and No Man's Sky, while they're completely t- different games, they have similar sets of shortcomings. They're both maybe a little bit shallow. They're both kind of uh, buggy and maybe not as polished as they could be. Um, they both kind of rely on kind of collect-a-thon loops that are kind of grindy and monotonous. Um you know, but yet one is like super successful because it's super accessible. You know, it's very accessible and it's got a powerful franchise behind it and it's less lonely of an experience because, you know, you can walk around a park and there's other people playing it and all that. And so it garner gets all this love and adoration and it does well and it succeeds. And then, you know, No Man's Sky is more lonely um, and ambitious and, uh, you know, doesn't have necessarily a lot of accessibility or recognizable fun things about it the way Pokemon uh you know might have. And so it gets kind of cast down and looked at kind of as like you said, uh a cautionary tale or a tale of hubris or a of a poor risk. And I guess that makes me a little bit sad because I don't I don't want to live in a world where no man's sky is the ha ha I told you so you shouldn't even try example. Instead I want it to be the okay it's not a great game, but it's an interesting step in, in in a new area we can explore. Let's keep going. And the sad thing is that it sounds like from the way people are receiving it and from – if you know, if I'm a game developer – I said this on Twitter too. If I'm a game developer and I look at what do I do? Do I try to go with the No Man's Sky approach of trying something that's a little bit too big for my britches but it's interesting and it's new and maybe I fail a little bit at it but I take another step forward in that direction – for game development or do I go with something super safe and easy that I know will return something for me right now? If I look at the lesson that's being taught here, I go as a developer, let's do the safe thing that we know we can do. And if like, if we get that mindset now, if we start saying, if we start asking that question already after just a few decades of developing games, if we already start going, you know what, this is it. That makes me really sad. I don't want to live in a world 
where we've decided that or sure. we've settled on that. And 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 No Man's Sky's the reception of, of No Man's Sky makes me feel like we're closer to that world than I probably feel comfortable with. I think to your point, and and kind of wrapping this up, I guess, is that I feel like a lot of it is. A lot of this, this the amalgamation of of uh, aspects of a game uh, seems to be subjective and, t- and time based. And in, in other words, um, a game like that we were mentioning the Banner Saga before. I never beat it, but I, I spent a lot of time with it. and I liked it. And it's a it's a strategy RPG. It's kind of light. Um, yeah. The the storytelling is good, snowy, kind of got like a Game of Thrones kind of vibe. I feel like if I got two more of those, I'd be like, no, no more. Right, it's the way I felt about Abzu, mm-hmm. where I was like, "This is such a try-hard journey, man." Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. We already have a journey, <laughs> you know, and like we already have that game. We don't need another one. And but if Abzu came out first, I might feel that way about Journey. You know, huh. it's just that Abzu had no emotional resonance with me. The timing was off. It was not. It, it, it's too late, you know. And so I feel like, yeah, you're right. People should experiment because I think a lot of the timing comes a lot of the, a lot of rather the the reception comes with timing comes with the zeitgeist uh, and I don't know that it has been hit appropriately with No Man's Sky mostly because of timing you know and uh, not the, the, not the amount of time that it was in development but just we're in a jaded place as gamers and I think that uh, I'm not alone there at yeah, all no. and I think we're kind of getting a lot of us are getting tired of playing the same old thing over and over again I think you're starting to see franchise fatigue in a real way I think you're starting to see um, uh, a moroseness about the way we kind of re- receive some games and a, and a sort of um, stagnation in the way games are delivered and I am in the place where I'm like is this it? You know? When I get excited about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, it's because it's Castlevania. It's not because it's new. It's because it's fucking old. You yeah. know, I saw that Monster Boy or Wonder Boy, whatever the fuck that game's called today. I was like, this game looks awesome. Because it looks like something I played 20 years ago. You know, I I, I see... Um, I play Call of Duty's campaign almost every year, and I, I saw the new Call of Duty, and I'm like, oh, space. Like, I'd rather go back to World War II. Like, can we just go to World War II like, every year? You know, like, so maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> I don't know. If I was going to say what the problem is, I would say more than anything, and then we'll leave it at this, I guess. More than anything, the problem isn't isn't an obsession with the past, although maybe that has something to do with it. But I think more than anything, it's the modern gamer's obsession with the idea that there's this sweet spot formula of amount of money paid to number of hours of enjoyment gleaned being the gold standard for whether they decide a game is worth their time or if it isn't. And that's a huge problem, and that's what Jim was saying in his review, right, in No Man's Sky, for better or for worse – you look at a game, I mean, I'm just throwing this example, and you look at a game like The Unfinished Swan, which is a remarkably good game. And, it, again, if you were just to say, like, we always ask, we ask, like, in reviews, if you didn't mention it, we get we wouldn't get in trouble with our editors, but we'd be like, how long is it? And I started asking myself, like, I would be curious about that, too, but then again, why does it matter? Yeah. Is the game good? Sometimes games get worse because they're too long. Sure. Often, actually, get, to, like, that's why I just don't finish some games anymore. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, like I don't need to play this anymore. I'm over it. Like I've seen, I've seen it. I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna move on. Anyway, uh, we're gonna wrap up the show with three segments that we usually do. I'm gonna let you guys know that we're not gonna do singing the shuhei. That's more of Greg's kind of uh, thing. So, we're, and I'll make it easier for Kevin to edit as well. So, um, so let's go through a trio of segments, and then we're gonna go. They'll be very quick. Forgotten PlayStation game of the week. This one comes from a Reverse Flash. It says, "Hey guys, I have a suggestion for this week's forgotten PlayStation game: Jean d'Arc." 
for the PSP. This was a strategy RPG developed by Level 5 for the PSP. Level 5 is a great developer when it comes to RPGs, and this one, I believe, was their first attempt at a traditional strategy RPG, and it did not disappoint. It plays very similar to a Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem. I remember really enjoying the characters and story in the game, providing a pretty decent challenge in its later battles. I still regard it as one of the best strategy RPGs I've ever played in one of PSP's best games. Thanks, Reverse Flash. There's a lot of adoration for that game, and so I thought I would... Uh, and I've never it. actually played it. Yeah, I, just, I used to see it on my on my store shelf a whole lot, but I, I never got around to grabbing it. Uh, Level 5 is a good developer. Great sure. developer, obviously, did Nino Kuni, Dark Cloud, Rogue Galaxy, but they also did uh, White Knight Chronicles, so beware. Um, <laughs> worst PlayStation name of the week. Now, Greg typically likes to do this if it's the person's ID, so like the person's talking about his own ID, but Annie writes in with a, a, a name that I had, a, I had to put in there. It's not hers. She says, hello, Colin and Greg, Vince. Hope you guys are having a lovely afternoon or evening or whatever time of day it is when you guys are recording. I am unwinding with a few Overwatch matches on a Sunday afternoon. My team was kicking ass, and I was doing a pretty good job clearing the path for my team as Tracer. It was the last 30 seconds of the match, and we were inches away from capturing our objective when out of nowhere, a sniper shot takes me out. Lucky, luckily, a, a lucky, luckily, DVA, a tank, was behind me, and we, we, and we still Diva. captured the... Yeah. Oh, what is it? Diva. Diva, I'm sorry. Yeah. Diva. D.VA, that's Diva. Yep, D.VA is Diva. Yeah. Jesus. Luckily, <laughs> Diva, a tank was behind me, and we still captured the objective. But what makes death inches away from victory more infuriating is being taken out by a Widowmaker named Anime Tit Lover. <laughs> Love from Toronto, Annie. <laughs> Who Thank is you, playing Annie. the correct character? Anime Tit Lover. Jesus Christ. And uh, PSL of this best friend uh, this week uh, comes from a man named Colin, but with two L's. He says, P.S. I love you, XOXO is one of my favorite podcasts. Incorrect. It's your favorite podcast. I loved going from Xbox 360 to PS4. It just felt right. My only issue with PlayStation is I never have any friends to play with. I want to jump into the Doom, Dying Light, and Uncharted 4 multiplayer because I haven't yet. Good trio of games there. But I also play games like Rocket League, Nidhogg, Black Ops 3, and GTA 5. Another quadrilogy of games, I would say. Quadrilogy. Whatever. Think you could help a team fat kid out. His PSN is The Colin Hill. So don't spell it like my name. Spell it with two L's. T-H-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-H-I-L-L. The Colin Hill. Add Colin Hill. Be nice to him. He was an Xbox 360 fan over a PS3 fan, so be kind to him. He made a mistake. He <laughs> says, love the show, guys, and thank you so much. And that's it for us on PSI Love You XOXO. I don't know what episode this is. We'll figure it out later. Vince, thank you for joining me. I hope you had fun today. I had a blast, as always. Thank you for making time for us. Oh. You're welcome with us anytime. Uh, all your work can be found at IGN.com. You're the reviews editor over there. Uh, I'm okay. Well, I'm t- not on paper. I am not a review. I'm just a regular old editor. But okay, I do but lots. You, but I do, do lots of reviews. reviews over there. Yes. I mean, what I, my experience, it's like all you did. So. <laughs> yeah. But I guess yeah, it sounds like you're previewing and doing some other things as well. So yes, it's good sir. to get out of your cage every once in a while. Yeah, man. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter at Vincognito. Correct. V i n c o g n e a t o. Before we go, I want. I have one question for you. If you can answer it just very briefly. Absolutely. What's the deal with Street Fighter Five? Uh, are people coming around to it? Because I know that it, it seemed to be lukewarm. It, it missed sales expectations, and I was curious. To ask you that before we left, did is are people enjoying it? Uh, uh, Evo just happened, and all that kind of stuff. Like, what's the deal? The the real quick version is uh, the game has not hit as well with the casual fighting game fan as Street Fighter Four did. Um, it certainly started out very strong with the competitive uh, with competitive players, and it's still very strong with competitive players. Although some things that have come to light about the game's engine, most uh, most notably the. Uh, like the native eight frames of input lag that are kind of just kind of coded into the way the game works have soured some people's uh, ideas about it and they're looking to see that fixed. Um, 
So overall, I would say the game is still in a very strong place. It's still a great game, and it's it had it put up record 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 numbers at Evo. Um, so it's not going anywhere, um, and it's not going to be Street Fighter Cross Tekken where people just stop playing it. But uh, it it definitely has uh, has some ga- a ground to gain still, both with casual players and a little bit to make up now with competitive after some of the things that have come to light. Cool, thanks for that. Yeah, uh, I always like your insight on fighting games because it's uh, I, I enjoy them, but I don't understand them. Well <laughs> uh, Vince, thank you so much for your time. We'll have you back soon for either this or Gamescast or something else. Awesome. Uh, be well. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us. Uh, by the way, again, this is the very last episode of PS. I love you uh, XOXO from this old set. Um, with the exception of a Gamescast exclusive for the Patreon supporters that I'm going to be recording with Daniel Dwyer. This is the last show we'll ever record here. So um, because of your support on Patreon, um, as well as other things, we're moving to a new studio. And we're going to avail that August 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games with a bunch of uh, cool show unveilings and shenanigans, I'm sure, for 12 hours. So Kevin's nodding in agreement in a very vigorous kind of way. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for your support. We love you and we appreciate you. Goodbye. Goodbye.